And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where normally we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Jana Gardner. I'm Nick Fulton. And I'm Dylan Quayer. This week, however, is a little bit different. This is our second season finale, woohoo, where we <laughs> take a break to look back over the last nine movies we've covered so far and talk about what we liked, what we didn't, and which characters had the best outfits. So yes. <laughs> a, lot, <laughs> a lot to discuss today. Um, but first, instead of talking about one of the movies Roger Ebert considered to be great, we are going to look back on one of Ebert's most disliked movies, the 1998 Michael Bay <laughs> space extravaganza, Armageddon. <laughs> so I think you're being pretty lenient calling it an extravaganza. I oh, was gonna, I, I was gonna have the same qualifier. I think, <laughs> I think parts of it can be described as an extravaganza. As I, as I said to you guys a couple of times, it's kind of fascinating that a movie can be so ridiculous and so boring at the same time. It's like an achievement mm-hmm. unto itself. Um, but I thought we could start by how we normally start talking about our movies, which is. When did you first see this movie? What was your first experience? Because I have a very like memorable, often told story about seeing this movie. So I'm curious what your guys' first experience with Armageddon was. So I think this is the first time I've seen it since it came out. Um, I, I remember having already seen Deep Impact. So I had that to compare it to. And at least how I, I also haven't seen Deep Impact since then, as I remember it. Uh, Deep Impact is fine in Armageddon. Um, it was about how I remembered it, to be honest, which is uh, sub-fine. <laughs> so I think it didn't quite live up to <laughs> the masterpiece that Deep Impact was. Um, I mean, yeah. Ebert in his uh, Armageddon review specifically said that Deep Impact warranted an AFI list status <laughs> in comparison to Armageddon. So, Have you seen Deep Impact, Dylan? No. I have not either. Um, is is Morgan Freeman in that movie? Yes. Okay. Right? Is he the president? Yes. Is that, I is believe that the he's movie the president. He's president? Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, all I know about it is that it's much more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a much it's like a much more serious sort of disaster movie take mm-hmm. on like a deep impact spoiler it, alert. It like there's have an a, impact. A pug dog. It doesn't have a pug dog named <laughs> well, Little Richard. <laughs> the dog is hanging in the thing. Oh god. Um, no, it does not. And it's it's just a much more like realistic if the Deep Impact was coming, what would society do? And so one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I avoided it is I was like, oh, that's a sad movie. Like, a, you know, it's like a big disaster movie. No, thank you. Um, so I did not see it Affleck. either. Yeah, this one does have Ben Affleck. Had, so you had seen this before, Dylan, or no? Was this your first yeah. time watching um, it? I s- <laughs> second and a half. Um, the first time I saw it, I caught the last 30 minutes in like a Costco where they're just sure. playing movies on it. TV. On the t- big TV, yeah. And I was like, that looks weird. Um, and I had just seen Transformers recently, in theaters no less. I think it was even Revenge of the Fallen. Oof. Um, yeah. And I was like, uh, I liked The Rock, so I was like, I'll, I'll watch Armageddon. And then I the watched Rock's the whole good. Thing. And then I the just Rock's like, n- yeah. no. When I saw it, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that was a mistake. And then yeah. I never made that mistake until this mm-hmm. yesterday. Here's until you here's a take. Back through it. I, I like Rock the movie better than The Rock the actor. 
I was going to say the same thing. I, I think I agree with that. I guess it must be my generation, but I think you guys are insane. Yeah, because when you said, I like The Rock, at first I was like, what does he have to do? I was like, oh, no, right, The Rock. Yeah, of course, good movie. Um, so, yeah, so this movie came out in the summer of 1998. I was 13 years old. It was the summer before I started high school. Um, went and saw this movie with my best friend at the time. We were so excited. We'd been looking forward to this, all the commercials. The song was everywhere. Ben Affleck was in it. Liv Tyler was in it. We were so excited. The Aerosmith song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Don't Want to Miss a Thing. The uh, I don't the know big... that song outside of this movie. I mean, it was omnipresent. In it the was the big, like, it was a oh, big God. hit that most, year. Yeah. Most of the 90s were a combination of this song, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, and like a handful of songs by the Cranberries. Yeah. This was like a big, like, high school, like, my freshman year of high school, like, this played at dances. Like, that kind of. Who would dance to this song? It's a slow dance song. Like it was, you know, like I'm, this is I'm doing a high school <laughs> slow dance move. Um, I do feel yeah. like following up, and I, I I have the same experience as you, Jana. Mm-hmm. But I I do want to just echo, even knowing it's a slow dance song, who would dance to right. the song? No, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but went to go see it. I don't really remember what I thought about the movie, like as a movie. I just know that at the end of the movie. I was crying so hard that I literally could not see. Like, and I was like, I was 13. I had literally just started wearing makeup. So I had like a full face of makeup on. I'm crying so hard. When the movie ends, I have to like run to the bathroom to try to get in front of the mirror because I just have like eye makeup just all the way down my face. And I could barely get a spot in front of the mirror because the entire bathroom was filled with teenage girls who were all sobbing, like washing our faces, having come out of Armageddon. So like it was it was a thing like it was a very like big thing if you were like a 13 or 14 year old girl. There was a bunch of dads cleaning up their makeup too. There probably probably were some dads. Yeah. Um, but so I just, like, that was my memory of it. And so since then, I've only seen, like, bits of it. I've never sat down to rewatch it start to finish. Jesus. Um, but I've seen bits of it on cable or whatever. And I was like, oh, I think that's fun. I, I had fun when I saw that. I liked it. Um, and then I sat down to watch it start to finish. And, oh, my God, <laughs> this movie is so bad. It is really, it was it's way so worse long. than I remembered. It's, it's uh, two hours it, and 31 minutes. Like, why? If it was If it was half as long, I wouldn't have... Like, you could just kind of be like, oh, there's some explosions, and well, that line was stupid, but whatever. But the fact that you have to spend two and a half hours. I think that's the problem. My my God. Like, who who allowed that to happen? Why didn't somebody go, like, we don't need all this shit? Just, like, cut it out. Like, like Ebert said, and I think his his summation of the movie, like, it's basically a two and a half hour long commercial. That's fine. Like, that's a, that's right. a genre that people That's a Michael like. Bay genre, kind of. Yeah, and yes. this, like, to your point, I think off-air, you've alluded to how this, this movie is sort of, like, groundbreaking in, in some ways, or, um, like, trend-setting in some ways. And, mm-hmm. like, this this is a genre of film now where it's just, like, nonstop action. It doesn't matter, like, if it makes sense, if the plots were, like, what the dialogue is. You throw in mm-hmm. a little bit of contrived drama. And that's fine. If it's an hour and 20 minutes, like, cool. Right. Yeah, right. I'll, watch, I'll watch that. But for two and a half hours, my God. Right. Like, and it's, yeah. It's well, almost as long fast- as The Godfather. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, it's it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable yeah. that it's this long. Um, the first, like I was telling you guys off air, it's an hour until they go to space. And then it's another full 90 minutes in space. Like, the 
it should be 20 minutes until they, mm, 30 minutes until they go to space, and then maybe 45 to an hour in space, if mm. that. Like, and that's your movie. But no, it's it's not. Um, but what, but yeah, what, what so the, would he do without the seven-minute Little Richard cameo? Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing, so the thing, I, comment I made is that I do think it's, like, an important work of American cinema. Like, s- seriously, I don't think it's... It is the Criterion Collection. I mean, it is the Michael Bayest thing you've ever seen mm-hmm. the shots like there's an emotional conversation with um Liv Tyler and like there's just like swooping helicopters overhead and I know like mm-hmm. and it's like wh- what are you doing and they're, <laughs> and they're in this like weird bombed out like I it don't even like know a, what it is like a, it's, it's like a, like a, it's a mausoleum kind of prism. thing it looks kind of like a gazebo but it's stone and then yeah it's like in the middle of an airfield yeah. and it's, it's like a military bombed gazebo. He, you know, but it's shot at Magic Hour. It has that Michael Bay. Everyone looks golden. Everyone looks, like, great. Um, but then they're having just this, like, normal conversation. And you're like, why did you shoot it like this? And it's we're, so we're throwing the like, camera counterclockwise as the people move clockwise. Why little, helicopters? Little, like, all you had to do was <laughs> not not put helicopters. How much money right. would that have saved? Oh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was just funny because when we were wa- I was watching it a couple of days ago and, you know, I Matt was in the house and so I made some comment like, you got to come see this shot. Like, look at this Michael Bay, you know, ridiculousness. And Matt's like, oh, has the camera zoomed around him yet? And then like right then the camera like did the zoom around him thing. And it's like, oh, Michael Bay, <laughs> just he's going to do what he's going to do and no one's going to stop him. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's... um. It's too long. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's hard to even know. Like, I'm trying to. Ebert had plenty to say about it in his review, and I do understand. Like, it seems like the biggest frustration that everyone can agree on is it's not that it's nonsense from a plot perspective, because it's obviously nonsense from a plot perspective, but a lot of action movies are. Mm. But it barely cuts together. Like, it is genuinely hard to follow in some scenes what is happening <laughs> and who's in the scene and where they are and why. There's a whole part where one of the two spaceships crashes. Oh, first of I all, could... like, why are there two spaceships? Like, what's the deal? Is, so this plot point is one of them happen. supposed to be Is one of them supposed to be like the eagle? And then are we supposed to think that Ben Affleck is dead for a certain yeah, amount of time? Yeah, yeah. So the, this to me was the most confusing plot of the entire movie. I also like... Granted, I was kind of folding laundry while I was watching the second half of this movie, but I totally missed Owen Wilson dying. I was like, wait, where did Owen Wilson go? And then he's just dead already. He's barely in this movie, which Owen I didn't Owen Wilson realize. was famous by this point, right? Um, I don't think so. Not, not quite. Really. This is three years before Royal Tenenbaums, so I don't but know exactly. But didn't Darjeeling Limited come out before this? No, that's no. after. This that's is after. like maybe right around Bottle Rocket, so I... Th- let's yeah. See. So this is West two Anderson years after is Bottle than I thought he is. Yeah, so this yeah, is two years after Bottle thing. Rocket. So he, yeah. he was maybe indie famous. Indie it, was guy. Year, it was the year oh, after okay. Anaconda. Mm-hmm. God. Right, yeah, Thank no, God so he wasn't Anaconda. Yeah, God. Yeah, no, yeah, this was yeah, it's a couple years after Bottle Rocket, but it's way it's you know, yeah, three years before Wedding uh, Wedding Crashers, Royal Ten and Bombs and then Zoolander, and then that sort of mm. two thousand one is really when he takes off. Gotcha. Um, but it is just funny in retrospect because I'm like, oh, Chet, look at it. And then he's just not in this movie. <laughs> and was he on the rig with everyone in the beginning? No. 
No, he yeah. is. Okay, so everyone else is on the rig. He's introduced riding a horse. Yes, in the <laughs> most the amazing helicopter. cinematic shot. <laughs> that was good. I liked that. Yeah, I did too. I wrote, I, I like the Owen show. Wilson shot in my notes. I liked the Owen Wilson being introduced and, riding a horse and then it for no to reason. a close up of him, and the lighting was 100% different. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That part, that part was good. I liked that part. <laughs> there's stuff. I, okay, so I told you that there were some things I like in this movie. Um, there are five things that I like okay. <laughs> about Armageddon, um, and I admit that these are very personal. So of uh, I told you, I told you everything guys before, is objective here. I had the Armageddon soundtrack on CD. It was a very important CD for me, um, and the the what you call it. Uh, Aerosmith. You know, Aerosmith, thank you. I'm <laughs> like the Armageddon band. The Aerosmith of it all, whatever. Um, I really liked the I really liked the Chantel Kraviazic cover of Leaving on a Jet Plane, um, which plays over the very end of the credits. I like the part where they all sing Leaving on a Jet Plane oh, when they're no. getting on the ship. I do. I like oh, it. No. I like I in it. movies. I like in movies when people start singing, and especially if you don't think they're going to be good singers, and then they are, and like... I like when Ben Affleck started singing. I was like, I, "Oh God, I hate this!" And then when they all started singing with him, I liked it. <laughs> so, I'm with Jenna on this one. Yes. Oh no! All right. I was gonna I was say like, that Dylan hates this movie and he likes this part. I I owe Una O'Connor an apology because that's actually my least favorite thing in the history. Of the and, and, I, I, and I often do. And I often do like. I mean, I I loved it in uh, Defive Bloods when they were singing the Marvin oh. Gaye. I, yes. I mean, okay. I that, think, I think, that's I think, much better though. Well. Yeah. Okay, I think yes, tiny, obviously that's better. It's a different yeah, or like movie. Like Tiny Dancer, like the Tiny Dancer scene, tiny almost dan- famously yes. makes yeah. me well up. And this, the, maybe this, maybe uh, the Tiny Dancer scene uh, owes a gratitude, uh, a debt of gratitude. Yeah, to, this came first, man. To this scene. <laughs> maybe Cameron <laughs> Crowe was influenced by Armageddon. <laughs> He's like, how can oh, I take man. that spaceship scene yeah. and put it on a bus? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so I liked that. Um, okay, this is going to be an even hotter take. Okay, so I like Billy Bob Thornton in this movie is what I wrote down as saying what I liked. I think he's really I, good in this movie. I think he's general, so good in this movie. Okay, like, where I, did he come from? I think he, in general. Okay, we, we've, we've already talked about how this is a weak uh, awards season for us. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton would have made my supporting actor shortlist, honestly. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, out of the right? movies we watched I for this. so good. Yeah. Okay, good. See, so far there are good things. There are and redeemable things. He, he needs more roles like this where he's the straight man instead of, like, yes. the curmudgeon, right. weir- or cum- curmudgeon or a weirdo or, like, yeah. well, like he's not, just, he's he not evil. From, he's doing the right thing. Yeah. Like He goes yeah. from lots of pathos to saying stuff like, roll back that tape in a NASA control center. Right. And he does it so perfectly. I, he, I loved him. I loved him so much. He pulls off the, the very unnecessary scene, like the, the completely unnecessary scene where like the military comes because they're going to set off the bomb and yes! it's like a whole 15 minute diversion <laughs> inside yes. mission control. That doesn't need to happen at all. But he's good in it when he's like stopping and he like tells the guy to disconnect it. He has yes. to go, like, it's like your control. You need to stop this shit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Oh, and, and when he says the line, um, where is it? Where they said, like, um, damn it, man, why didn't we see this? And he says, we only cover 3% of the sky. And, sir, it's a large <laughs> sky. <laughs> like, that's the He's dumbest so... line in movie history, and he does it so well. It's funny and also impactful. I love yeah. Billy Bob Thornton in this movie. Okay, good. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, he's good. And then it, it really works for the payoff at the end, like when he gets like the mission oh, patch at the end. And you're that just made like, me more emotional what? than stupid Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, all right. So my sort of hot take, and I don't feel that strongly about this, but I do think the performances like in this movie aren't bad. I think they're the very script, good. I think the script. OK, see, look, we're all in agreement here. Are the we? script is a disaster. It's <laughs> 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 like, no, they let's, suck. You all suck. Let's cool our jets a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think some of the performances are good. I think yes. some of them are just like apparent. Um, ben Affleck is not. So th- my, my my take that I'm going to bring to this is I have a way to recast it. You wouldn't have to do that much to make um, the emotional core of this movie much better. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, swap out Ben Affleck with Matt Damon. Okay, yes. Here's what I was gonna so here's what I was gonna say about that. Which one always swap out Ben Affleck with Matt Damon? Yes. Just get yep. rid of Ben Affleck and make so, Matt Damon start so, everything. Like, what like, Ben Affleck is, is really good at is being an being like a, a total asshole who you don't like. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. Uh, like his best roles, I would say, are, are like um, uh, Dazed and Confused, where he's yep. a boy. Yes. Um, yeah, he's evil. <laughs> Gone Girl, where you you sympathize mm-hmm. with him, but also you're like, ah, oh, this idiot. Right. Um, and of course, Mallrats. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah, Mallrats okay. and Dazed yeah. and Confused are very similar. Um, but would Matt Damon would have been, would he have convincingly put an animal cracker down Liv Tyler's I panties? like to imagine that he would have refused to <laughs> do that. I'm sure he wouldn't that have. That was the worst scene. I will say, He's that was bad. He's role-playing David Attenborough and putting... That was, putting it was bad at the crackers. time. Even, even at the mm. time when I was like, I'm here for the romance and like, it's so sweet. Even that at the time, I remember us all being like, I don't. I don't think. I don't think this is sexy. I know I'm only 13, but I don't think this is. Is this what adults do? Because I. I don't like it. Like he's like. It was very. And she confusing. says like. Do you, do you think, think anyone else doing is doing this? Oh God! Foreplay with animal crackers. God, I hope. Not. <laughs> I that exact note in my notes. It's like one thing when you're like looking up at the stars, and it's like who else is looking up at these stars? No, no, no. Who else is doing weird stuff with animal crackers? Yeah. And his uh, responses is. Well, if no one else is, what are we, what doing? Are we saving here? <laughs> it's like yeah. anything else <laughs> is worth saving. <laughs> it's really true. Um, so, I, yeah, I will say, you know, the end of this movie, like, I'm a total sucker for it. Like, I just, like, cry throughout the whole ending. But one thing I did think about watching it this time around is it has the montage of, like, everyone around the world celebrating um, which it's oh like, and it, I'm a sucker for that shit. Like, it's like I was crying. Taj Mahal, like, well, American flag. American flags. The American flag is where I was like, oh god, Michael, Bay, just cool it like <laughs> a half a degree. But you know what? Watching it this time made me think, oh, you know what movie does this ten million times better? The Martian. Like I love the scenes no. in The Martian. Yeah, I love The Martian. But I don't like The Martian. I, what I love about that is that they're like they're rallying around rescue. Like, of course, everyone's celebrating that the whole planet didn't blow up. Like, of course. Yeah, what I like about yeah, it in The Martian is they're all like, "This we achieved it. We rescued one person, and everyone's happy about that." Um, yeah. It, so it's, to me, it's I was good. like, "I'm just being too harsh." You are too harsh on The Martian. The Martian's great. Um, but that yeah, was also funny. my joke when you say replace it with Matt Damon. I was like, "Well, we kind of did. <laughs> we already did our Matt Damon. Like, <laughs> got to come home from space." Um, Okay, two more good things about this movie. Just two um, more. Will, um, I'll do my, well, I'll, first, 
William Fickner saying the line, he has space dementia, is like yes. one of my favorite things that's ever happened in a movie. He says it's I so loved it. I wrote that thing like four times. I wrote space dementia, indent space, and space dementia. In my mind, I had remembered it being this like very dramatic, like he has space dementia. But what I like about it, he's just so matter of fact. He's like, you he know. has space dementia. You know, <laughs> like, he, he honestly <laughs> sounds like all dismissive. He's like, oh, the right. pedophile has space dementia. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> I also forgot that he got injured. Like, that's the running. Yeah, well, this movie has a lot of problems when it yes. comes to uh, women and sex and uh, Michael Bay's Michael general Bay. attitudes. Okay, Honestly, my this hot... movie was probably better than most Michael Bay's in that sense. I mean, I was going to say, so, like, I, I like Pain and Gain. I don't know if you guys have seen Pain and Gain. Um, I really like it. I think Nick might like it. I, it has the rock. It has the rock being very good yes. um, in it as like a sort of insane roid rage guy. Um, yeah, it's like muscle heads get in over yeah. like get into a criminal conspiracy. It honestly feels like Michael Bay is just like satirizing himself in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what makes it fun. But then mm-hmm. he makes thirteen hours. The secret soldiers of Benghazi mm. immediately afterward and you're like oh maybe he's not in on the joke <laughs> like maybe he just <laughs> has no sense of awareness um, but my final thing that's good about this movie and this is my hottest take is I really like the Ben Affleck Bruce Willis like final goodbye scene on the planet not when he's like video talking to Liv Tyler I mean whatever that's his daughter it's sad but I think it's legitimately good acting from like Ben Affleck like crying and saying I love you and it's like these two men being like I love you I love you and they're crying and I'm like this actually feels kind of interesting for a Michael Bay movie to like have this like raw two dudes showing emotion and then it you know he monologues for another 15 minutes unnecessarily (laughs) instead of just blowing up the stupid bomb Um, but that's my hottest take as I was watching it this time and I'm like I think Ben Affleck's good in this scene. <laughs> it's that was an my incredible final, scene. Uh, good thing. Are you actually, I mean, are you being funny or you agree with me? No, I, I <laughs> thought it was incredible. <laughs> I, I didn't I think you thought there was anything redeemable about this movie, and you've agreed with all of my good points. I don't want to have more. <laughs> I don't want to be the promotion. I don't know. Like, I'm going to spoil movie... it right now. I'm giving this movie a thumbs up. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Is that why you wanted us to watch the Siskel and Ebert thing so we could see uh, Siskel yes, defending this movie? Yes, I feel so much more vindicated after hearing Ebert. Like, yeah, this is this a great is movie. Biggest, this is the biggest <laughs> twist we've ever had. I don't know what's happening. This this is how we find out that Dylan's been kidnapped. <laughs> I, no, I'm like actually crying. Oh my god! I I wrote at the end of this movie. Is this the late '90s, late spring? And I'm not <laughs> no. going to back down from that. What point. is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick is going to just throw off his headphones and rage quit and we're never going to see him again it's, a, like, it's an incredible metaphor of like Bruce Willis is the asteroid that's coming to destroy Liv Tyler's world he literally shoots warning shots after the asteroid shoots warning shots in the opening scene <laughs> it's all a metaphor it's, it's incredible this movie is transcendent now I feel like I need to make a list of why this movie is actually quite bad <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 oh, I have I have a lot of things here that are it's okay. bad because Steve Buscemi plays a redeemed pedophile, but yeah. and the also, beginning where it says there's an explosion in New York City and someone says could be a terrorist bomb. You never know what happens in New York City. I know. And then it's they say, oh no, it's, it's Saddam Hussein, and it's like it's oh three no, three years before nine eleven, which I is know. 
weird. Um, no, though, though this movie more or less opens up with the the most common yet toxic like storyline in all of fiction which is like oh no my daughter is having my grown daughter is having sex with a man i must murder him like mm-hmm. yeah and as soon as i had forgot that it starts off with ben bruce Willis so problematic shoot ben affleck and i was like i just hate this so much like yeah this is i just, did too it's bad um, first right. hour yeah, i didn't think was very good and i i just by the end i was just one over i thought I, it was incredible i was not prepared to even go that hard on this movie because i think it's like it's almost so bad that I feel like even though it probably made hundreds of millions of dollars, I would imagine. 600 all, million, I think, domestic. And all, and all of the people in it are quite famous and wealthy. Yeah. And uh, I still feel like I'm very much punching down talking about how terrible this right. movie is. Sure, <laughs> it's, sure. It's, it's, it's an easy, there, it's I, an easy there, There's still a lot of bad about it. It's got Aerosmith playing in it and it's stupid sweet emotion. And I, I hate yeah. sweet emotion. Oh, so I thought much. you were going to come in because when you you alluded know, to I my letterbox review, say, I thought you were going to come in yeah. as a as oh a really Aerosmith defender. Man, this is a double reversal. I'm going to hate on Aerosmith with <laughs> okay. you and then love Armageddon. I think Aerosmith is uh, a terrible band. Um, it's one of the worst bands ever. I think that song is there. Were are you song. crying, Jen? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm laughing so hard. I still have tears coming out of my face. I'm because fine. I think Armageddon's a great movie. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> oh. I'm just I'm in shock. I'm in actual shock. I spent all morning being like. How can I appropriately defend this movie? Like oh, understanding it's that it's bad, but like sticking up for it. And then now my whole world's just been turned upside down. When I messaged you guys fuck this movie at when I finished it, I that kind was like, of was trying to be sneaky. Movie. But it's more of like fuck, comma, this movie this is movie. so good. No, I, I it's not good though, is the thing. <laughs> it's 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 not almost, great. Almost every line of dialogue in this movie is bad should and the editing is terrible should have been different it's what? it's terribly edited but like the whole just the whole pacing of this movie like every time they do something something goes wrong in an explosive mm-hmm. way and yeah. it gets so redundant like and just over and over like and you never know whether the thing that's blowing up is it going to matter is it not going to matter this time sometimes it matters sometimes it doesn't matter sometimes it kills somebody sometimes they just keep going what, <laughs> something like, keeps blowing up why didn't they cut out Peter Stormare entirely. Why is you Peter stra- Stormare in this movie? You go Why straight is he to, in this movie? You go straight to the astronaut. You get rid of like one of the most insufferable <laughs> characters. You get rid of the stupidest part of the movie, which is the this this the space jump from speed. It's yes! pretty it's pretty dumb in speed. It's way dumber when you're doing it on an asteroid. The entire the entire thing about like with the two ships and the one blowing up and who's dead and who's not and then Ben Affleck, Peter Stormare and Michael Clark Duncan having to like make their way. That is just cut it all out. Just none yeah. of that needs to be there. And th- why? How much time would you have saved in the movie? Oh, like I mean, all of it. Every second counts. I'm <laughs> every not second counts. That. I feel the need to be clear. Speed rules. Speed. Is I've sp- never seen. I've never seen okay. speed. Oh man, speed is why a blast. We, uh, Nelly had never it's seen. It's pretty it. F- for the first yeah. time, just a year or two ago, and I need to watch it. It has the longest opening credits se- sequence it's just like unbelievably long and you're like what is going on <laughs> Why is this but, happening? It, but it all kind of serves a narrative purpose it's it's genius speed is we were talking off air about uh over the top dennis hopper roles which really in fairness all of them are over the top, <laughs> all of them. top roles all of them, but yeah. this is <laughs> the most <laughs> over the top oh i need um, to see it i no, really blue velvet it is. it's it's so fun <laughs> Well, at least in Blue Velvet, he's in a weird movie. Like, yeah, he is true. a mainstream like, I, I blockbuster, guess, like, and he's out, doing out, that. 
in the context of the movie, <clears throat> this is probably his weirdest role. Yeah. Like, he doesn't like yeah. snort the freaking gas and. God, uh, anyway, I loved Michael Clark Duncan in this movie. But <laughs> I did too. Yeah. I will say, just he's so just, good. It, was, it made me so sad this time. It's the first time I've watched yep. it probably since he died. And so it was just like the whole movie. I'm like, he was so good. Like he was such a he fun presence really like in movies. And I miss him. Being they had him yeah, like do a strip tease. He cried in a psychological evaluation. He's, he's he helped good. Ben Aff. I loved him. I'm, I'm yeah. all in on Michael Clark Duncan <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, he's very good. I think Keith David is good in this movie. Keith um, David is good. I think William Fickner is good in this movie. I think this is yes. maybe the worst Steve Buscemi role I've seen. Like he's yeah. just he's it's really the worst Buscemi role. It's, it's it's not a good bad. performance. I think he's I think he's really annoying in it. Yeah, I think he's really annoying. I don't know what like he plays creeps all the time, right? Like I mean, all the time yeah, yeah. he plays creeps. Um, he's not the creep in Con Air, is he? Who's he's the, the cre- yeah? He he's is. the creep in Con Air. Okay, yeah, I, I, think I, was, so. I was getting my Steve Buscemi pedophile roles confused. Um, yeah. But, like, he can play creeps, and it can be good. But here he's a creep who is also supposed to be funny, who then gets space dementia, as you do, almost kills them all, and then at the end it's played as a joke where it's like, ha, 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 guys, now that we're all heroes, let's not tell anybody that I got space, space dementia, dementia and almost killed you. And then he gets his stripper girlfriend back. Like, it's... Which I, I screamed out loud when the stripper girlfriend uh, was I knew that was coming. Yeah. I couldn't believe that shit. Uh, the be- the yeah. best part, the best it's, part it's of a- Steve Buscemi's role, though, was when he's in his, in his psych eval, and he's like, "I'm a genius." And then he sobs a Rubik's cube, and he like literally throws it on the table. He's like, "I have a double doctorate from IT. I can solve this cube." It's like I'm just like, "What? No." So there's no point in like the worrying about the plot of this movie or like why you know. You know, the the big hit on this movie is why is it easier to teach drillers to go to space than astronauts to drill? Yes. Which I forgot the movie actually, like, lampshades. The movie actually mm-hmm. is like, we need you to teach astronauts to drill. And Bruce Willis is like, no, can't do it. Astronauts can't <laughs> drill. Got to take, gotta take drillers to space. And they just basically go along with it, which, okay. <laughs> I had, I had yeah, forgotten that, that they is, were actually... <laughs> that is like, not a gripe I have about this movie because it's sort of like the the every man being thrust into an extraordinary situation. Right. I, I, I appreciate kind of yeah. like the, it's that an incredible theme. I cannot believe Michael Bay pulled it off in this movie. <laughs> but the, what I was going to say, the part that I like, I legitimately don't understand. And maybe I just don't know anything about oil rigs or drilling. Um, is that like one, the guy who owns the oil drilling company is the guy who runs the rig out there, like physically doing it. Cause like apparently Bruce Willis is like a super rich guy who owns this company what? and designed this rig. And then also the like double doctorate scientist is lives on the oil rig with them like that's mm-hmm. the part where i was like i realized they wanted a diverse like group they yeah. wanted to be like some of us are strong some of us are smart it's like okay <laughs> that's when, when, when like bruce, more confusing when bruce willis is berating ben affleck in the beginning of this movie and he's like would you have your eight million dollars on your own rig and i was like bruce willis is a millionaire <laughs> last last plot Thing, and it's we've been talking about this movie for like 30 minutes and I know we gotta <laughs> do the rest of our episode um, the other thing that confused me this time around was so they're on the oil rig the little bits of the asteroid start hitting earth the federal government figures out they need to go find these guys they fly you know Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck get in their big fight 
like, by the time that they go to find Ben Affleck, he's, like, already started his own drilling company. I was like, what? <laughs> they're How they're all in so many different parts of the world doing they, their own right. things. Right. They want to have... They want to have the getting the gang together scene, which is great. I love, I love yeah, a good getting the gang back together sequence. They were all on the oil rig. Right, and it can't. And there only. Ago. And you only have how many? Like seventeen days from the, t- <laughs> from the time the <laughs> asteroid starts hitting until they need to blow it up. Yeah, the, the they get a little loosey goosey uh, <laughs> with our time frame there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I feel like it's. Uh, really loosey goosey about is the relationship. Like, what is the exact relationship or the nature of the relationship between Grace and Harry? Because it seems like they're sort of estranged, and she insists on calling him Harry. But right. she she's his employee, and they live together on the oil rig. Is that like what? Right. She's she. Okay. She's his. This is all I picked up. She's his daughter, but she <laughs> resents him in some way. She refu- insists on calling him Harry. But it's but she lives on the rig and works and it's like a client relations person. She speaks Chinese and like I do also remember this was very fashionable at the time. The like sort of pseudo like, well not even pseudo. The like fully problematic like you're a white lady just put your hair up with like sticks in it and we'll mm-hmm. call it fashion. Um, that was a very like '90s thing to do. <laughs> they dress her like that here and then they have her speaking Chinese to the Chinese clients. Um, but yeah, it's very unclear. She works for him. She lives there. She calls him Harry. And then there's like a couple of lines where it's like ever since your mom left and like was she living off the rig with the mom and then she had to move on. But she's a grown woman. Like yeah, she's, <laughs> she's not in his custody. She's engaged to be married. Yeah. Like it's during very, the movie. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. No, it, it doesn't and, and, make any sense. And they are getting engaged after five months of dating. Yes. You know, well, they, they live yeah. an extreme sort of lifestyle. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll allow it, but it's, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Um, you did say, Dylan, that you wanted to talk about the Razzies. I have them pulled up for. right here. Yes. I was worried when you said that, because I thought you hated the movie, that you were going to be like all in on these Razzie this nominations. This is madness. I also have, because I have an imperiled, like, I think the Razzies suck. Um, I think yeah. as an enterprise, they are useless at best and like do harm at worst um they hate women you're giving it too they much hate, credit like they are yeah yes, they say, they're just usually useless they're terrible but the thing that made me really mad and i know you know not you don't want to miss a thing is a very annoying song that was all over the place in 1998 but i will not stand for this diane warren slander <laughs> it is not one of the worst song if diane warren wrote a catchy ass song and i don't want to sit down and listen to it but what one Oh, written by Diane Warren. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. She's she's she for a while wrote every song every, for every yeah. movie. She has like twenty five Oscar nominations and has never won. It's it's pretty egregious at this point. But like a lot of songs from eighties and nineties movies that like mm. the song from Con Air, for example. I'm pretty oh, sure she wrote song. that one too. Um, she wrote pretty much like every ballad from a movie that mm-hmm. was in the nineties. Um, but yeah, the Liv Tyler thing is rude. Um, yes, like it's all. Worst screen couple, Leonardo DiCaprio and himself as twins in The Man in the Iron Mask. Okay, it was I a weird at that. year for the. It was a weird year for the Razzies in 1998. I think best screen couple is something the Oscars should address. Yes. Yeah, Yes. Agree. The chemistry between a screen couple is like makes or break a movie, and it yeah. should be rewarded when it is good. I agree. Um, Add that to the Oscars, 100%. I found it interesting how much they shit on Spice World, which... Yeah, which so did so did Raj. Um, yes, 
Yeah. Um, Worst screen couple, any combination of two characters, body parts, or fashion accessories in Spice yes. World. Fuck off, Razzies. Jesus. Fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Um, Spice World. Well, haven't seen Spice World since 1998 either, but had a real fun time watching it. So. <laughs> Honestly, holds, like, not sure. at least half of the people I follow in Letterboxd have it at like a four and a half or a five out of five. It's fun. I mean, I yeah. remember it being really fun. It's goofy. Like, it's not, you know. It is what it is. Like, yeah. They do have their, uh, the Razzie's worst movie trend of the year was what they call Gidgets and Geezers, which was 58-year-old leading men wooing 28-year-old leading ladies. Um, I mean. I do have to agree the, that that is not They're not trend. wrong about, <laughs> they're not wrong about. So the funny thing about one of the ones that references is A Perfect Murder, um, which is a Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow joint. And I just remember reading interviews about how Gwyneth Paltrow knew Michael Douglas because he was friends with friends her with parents. <laughs> and, like, they used to hang out at Hollywood parties when, like, her parents were having Hollywood parties and she was mm. a child. And then how, you know, she's giving interviews about, yeah, so, you know, making this movie was a little weird because he's playing my husband and he was really good friends with my dad. And you're just like, oh, Hollywood is so gross. So gross. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Now and I'm um, the, the last thing the I want to... Yeah, um, which there I think multiple ones of this movie did, which is uh, so Yo Quiero Tacky Tie-ins, mega zillion yeah. dollar cross promotional overkill, which is a problem. But do we have to call it Yo Quiero? This was yeah. uh, the late I mean, '90s when that was everything was Yo. Yo, Yo well, Yo Quiero Taco Bell was a yeah. uh, oh, I don't even know what this is. Oh, but, it's a reference uh, to a very popular ad campaign from the late '90s, oh, it where a little animatronic. Well, it's it's still a little racist. Um, <laughs> the yeah. ad campaign was a okay. was a anthropomorphized Chihuahua, Chihuahua who like would say Yo Quiero Taco oh, Bell. I remember the, the Taco, Taco Bell, Bell Chihuahuas, but I don't. I don't that was his tagline: was Yo Quiero Taco Bell. Gotcha. Um, and then so, also, yes, I think yeah, they that commercial was the... from '97. Oh God. Okay, I think they fall also into the trend of 30-minute stories conveyed in less than three hours. Hashtag longer movies, yeah. shorter plots. Which, yeah. as much as of a thumbs up of I'm gonna give this movie, it's definitely this movie. Two and a half hours. What was the what was the 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 tie-in? What was the promotional tie-in in Armageddon? What brand? Oh, are they, they. I I, I think. Don't remember. Like, I, I think Taco Bell seeing... and McDonald's were both in it, but I don't yeah. know. At, at at some point, yeah, Michael Bay movies are just also well. That's just the thing. They're just commercials on their own, right? They're just like, like that's something like yeah. just, it just gets blocked out of my mind at this point. <laughs> except for when Mark Wahlberg breaks a Bud Light against a car in Transformers Four. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the last thing I want to talk about with Armageddon though is Ebert's review, okay. which oh, yeah. I, okay. This is the thing. I think if a movie, if, if a blockbuster movie fails, it's you ask too many questions about the plot. And most of Ebert's review is just asking questions about the plot. Right. And so while I think the movie was good enough that for me, it trans, like, it, it was like, yeah, there, there's so much stupid in here. But, like, I still think it worked for me. Um, so he had thoughts about Liv Tyler. He sure did. He cannot help himself. Nope. Um, I I was so disappointed reading this. Yeah. This wasn't even, like, worse than Michael Bay sexism. Right. I mean, the thing is, and again, I 
there is a lot to criticize. There's everything to criticize oh, about the oh, Animal yes. Cracker scene. It's bad. Don't yes, do it. It's poorly bad. written. It's embarrassing for everybody involved. I hate it. Um, but when his criticism is that, like, it's an unflattering angle for Liv Tyler's neck. And her necklines and, are showing. Yeah. Um, and her brassiere isn't also don't, doing yeah, her favors. Also don't throw out a brassiere. Yeah. Oh, Roger. You can't just not... <laughs> And she's also only a benefit of take your daughter take your daughter to work. To work. Days. That's the one that stuck out to me. It's like, dude, she she speaks Mandarin, right? Yeah, and right. She's helping all your clients, right. and she's actively helping in the NASA room because you right. and the NASA people trusted her to be there. Right. That was the one. I mean, the one thing that is kind of funny when like you know. Basically, he says, like, if I'm going to do this, she is going to be here and be involved. And it's like, well, he has all the leverage, so they let her do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do, like, I actually do, like, in the scene when they all start blowing up. And Billy Bob Thornton is like, maybe you shouldn't be here? You know, like, sincerely, he's like, this is too upsetting. And she's like, I don't have anywhere else to go. That's a and great like, line. That was it's a good, incredible. good line. Because she's kind of like, well, either they're going to succeed or we're all dying, too. Like, what is it? Where is she going to go? Yeah. <laughs> What's she going to do? So I did like that moment. Um, I think she's good I, I thought movie. Liv Tyler I was like great Tyler. in this movie. And, I like and, her a lot. She doesn't have a lot of range, but I think she's very good at what she does. Yeah, That's I think true. she's she's okay in it. Um, I mean, she's, really she's good limited it. by exactly. <laughs> what the yeah, movie allows Yeah, I guess she, do. she doesn't have a lot to do other than kind of be mopey. Yeah, um, I do this think movie does not pass the Bechdel test. In case anyone was remotely wondering about that, well, I, <laughs> I was keeping track, but really, the only uh, female characters are her and the strippers. I'm pretty her, sure the pilot. Though there's a woman in space. Yeah, there's William the Fichtner astronaut, is, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, astronaut but she doesn't interact with oh. anybody other than William Fickner, really. And there's the one guy um, whose name I don't remember. In the like, oh. he has a kid. Chick. And, uh, w- yeah. Will Will <laughs> Patton. His. I remember the chick. Titans coach. That's all I know. Yes. Everything with him, you could have just jettisoned it. You could have gotten rid of his character entirely, and I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, I think it's sort of that, like, yeah. I mean, it's like a trope where he's like the right hand man, but you don't look at you can look at all these look at all these men on my Zoom screen behind me. There are maybe <laughs> too many people in this movie. Like, yeah, like are. what is what is he doing that isn't already accomplished also, by the uh, the Liv Tyler Bruce Willis relationship? It's yeah. the same thing, only like twenty years later. And I get the sense after a while that they only have this many people so that they can like kill some kill of off them a few. off. Yeah. Because yeah. like, okay, so there's the one guy, if you're looking at my Zoom screen, who's all the way at the one end, like on the opposite side from Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. His name is like Gruber, I think, or something. Oh, yeah, and it I was think Gruber. We're supposed to be, he has no personality, and then he's like the last member of the crew who dies. And I'm like, are we so, sad about this? Who was I was he going again? through the Wikipedia page this morning, and I was like, so I'm, so I'm like looking through the plot, looking through the plot, and I was like, and Gruber dies? Who the fuck is Gruber? <laughs> exactly. And then I yeah, looked at they... the actor and I was like, who was he? Yeah, was he in this movie? Yeah. Um, well, he's introduced at the beginning, but then when he dies fully two hours later, like, why do you care at that point? You don't. Um, no. Yeah. I think movie, having guys. cardboard cutouts of the people at their wedding is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, one, I did not remember that. Two, kind of funny now when we're living in a cardboard cutout ever-present world where it's yeah. like maybe i'm just so used to seeing cardboard cutouts literally every day watching baseball games that i'm like sure cardboard cutouts at the one and they're in their astronaut outfits yeah. like they're, they're just the way they were when they died you don't have any other photos of them yeah the whole the whole like closing credits which i forgot was just an entire montage of this wedding of, of the wedding Peter Vermeer's there in like his Russian military uniform, like spraying champagne. 
Okay. All I could think about was how much money they wasted on that beautiful chapel. Oh yeah. And the wedding dress. Oh, they probably the spent another. They probably spent another <laughs> million dollars on filming that wedding scene, and it's fully under the closing credits. Like and it's just pictures. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. It is. It's bad. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's wrap up our talk. We got a whole right. rest yeah, of our episode to do. And we've been, we've gone real long on Armageddon. And we just, the, the, the Dylan plot twist just threw me for such a loop. I didn't even know how to come back from that. I um, was so, really excited to talk about it. So, Dylan, you give it a thumbs up? I'm giving it a thumbs up. Yeah, it's, it's still a thumbs down from me. It's it's not a very good movie. That is um, fun. Nick? I understand. Oh, it's a definite thumbs down I mean, for me. Last last note, thumbs down. I, I, I made a comment both to you guys and I think in my letterbox review. Like, this movie is kind of evil in, like, what... And I think Michael Bay is in, like, how he so treats evil. women and his views on America and militarization. Okay. And, and like... One I mean, thing that almost broke that for me was... The, the Russian saves the day in the end. The Russian does save the day in the end. Which um, I was just shocked. I was like, okay, Bay. It was also very shooting, shocking to me that they blew up the Mirror space station. Because, like, in the 90s, like, the Mirror, the Russian Mirror space yeah, station was, like, was, a, like... was a big deal. Like, blowing it up was, like, yeah, I don't know. It was very shocking. And I was like, oh, God, I forgot they did that. That was, like, a huge deal when we were kids. Um, also, oh, final, final, final note. I promise we're going to wrap up. I just copied this from the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Uh, because I am both afraid of flying and even more so of space flight. Space disasters really freak me out. And so I found this note in Wikipedia page that says, following the 2003 Columbia disaster, some screen oh, captures yeah. from the opening scene where Atlantis is destroyed were passed off as satellite images as a hoax. People, so when Columbia blew up in 03, apparently on the internet, people were showing pictures from Armageddon and it, passing it off as like, this is footage of a real space shuttle blowing up. Um, and then additionally, the American cable network FX, which had intended to broadcast Armageddon that evening, removed the film from its schedule and aired Aliens in its place. Yes. <laughs> which is a choice. Yeah. A spaceship blew it's like, up. We can't show Armageddon. Let's show Aliens. Which Let's show a, astronauts a, dying a in different of, ways. A moment of sincerity there. Uh, and then you just blow it. Right. They're that, like, let's that's, pull that's this from the it. schedule and then just show astronauts being ripped apart by aliens instead how, of... How old space. were you when Challenger blew up then? Not, not alive? Was, she, was oh. that 83? Oh, 86. Or 86, so uh, one or two. Yeah. I was okay. thinking Columbia when you said Challenger. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah no. Columbia, we no. were... Well, yeah. you, you mentioned that you didn't, like, that space, like, so, really bothers you, and I was wondering, because I'm also afraid of space travel, but that's because Columbia blew up Right, when you were that. While it passed over my, it passed over <laughs> yeah, New Mexico. Yeah, it was flying like over New and Mexico. And then later Texas. blew up. Yeah. And the, I, like, I was super into space, and my brother is very into space. But I remember it blowing up, and I was just like, watching on the news, like, uh. My, my visceral as a sort of fear, like, so the thing that messed me up about the Challenger explosion is that uh, in my elementary school, there was a framed photograph of the Challenger crew in the elementary school office because there was a teacher on board, right? That was the big yeah. deal about Challenger is that this teacher was going to go into space. And so there was like a memorial to her in my elementary school, like administration office. And my mom was a school secretary. So like she would be there. I'd be in the office a lot. Um, and I just remember like, yeah, being in first grade and looking at that picture almost every day and being like, oh, that nice lady died in outer space. Yeah, um, she went so to my high school. Krista McCall. Krista McCall. Really? Oh, no, no. Ju uh, oh. Judy, Judy Resnick oh. went to my high school. Oh. oh, oh, the other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she um, was the t I think she was a regular. Yeah, she was. The, I think she was just the, a the astronaut. I think Krista yeah. McCall, if 
Yeah. Oh, Judy Resnick went to your high school? Yeah. yeah. Um, I did yeah, hear she, recently Krista that they McCullough were going to send... Teacher. She was the engineer. I heard recently that they were going to send Big Bird on the Challenger 2 and then backed out the last minute. Yeah. Is that true? I, I don't know if that's true. I've heard that also. Um, I just remember because like kids, there had been there'd been a bit of big buildup in among school children. I've read about this all later. I, I can't imagine life. being a school child when um, that happened. So did you guys see the um, the Mr. Rogers documentary? Um, no. Yeah. Uh, that I already forgot what it's called. Yeah. So, so the Mr. Rogers documentary. Uh, yeah. Once you my neighbor. Um, I'm sitting there in the movie theater watching a nice documentary about a nice man and then boom footage of the Challenger disaster because one of the recurring themes in that documentary is how Mr. Rogers talked to children about tragedies um, and very upsetting in general and then it like yeah showed him like talking to children explaining about the Challenger disaster anyway we're wildly off topic Uh, Armageddon's a bad movie I also give it a thumbs down okay what, what do you give it out of four um, out of four, I gave it two out of five, so like one and a half out of four, probably. Nick? I gave it one and a half out of five, so somewhere between a one and a one and a half. I'll go one and a half, too, because it's not like offensively bad. It's just very much not my thing. Like, yeah. in no That's fine. incarnation That's of this I movie, get it. I'm going to like it. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. What do you I give really out of four, Dylan? Two and a half. Okay. Okay, right. I so, was very worried you I, were going to be like four out of four. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like I, I, I w- I'm much more enthusiastic on it than I expected, but yeah. it's still objectively stupid. It's really not good, but there was a yeah. lot of stuff that surprisingly worked for me. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to say is um, a sad fact that I keep in my head is: Do you know when Mister Rogers' Neighborhood ended? Do you know what the final air date was? No. Your birthday. September tenth, no. two thousand one. August 31st, 2001. Yeah, because in the documentary, they talk about him, oh, coming, really? I think, coming back to do a special after 9-11. Oh, like, he had yeah. ended the show, but I think he did, like, a a special for children. That's, um, a, that's a tough day to end it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, I will say, even, even before I got to the Challenger, that movie, by the way, it has footage of, like, the RFK assassination, the Challenger disaster, 9-11. Like, the RFK thing is what really took me back when I'm like watching Mr. Rogers documentary and then it's like remember when RFK was killed it's like Jesus movie <laughs> that's a heavy movie it's a heavy movie I, I really need to watch it soon. I saw it with a co-worker and we sat next to each other and just cried <laughs> like I was like we don't even know each other that well and we were just like sobbing in the movie theater my, sounds uh, like you and Armageddon my, my running joke with that movie is that I when we saw it in theaters I only cried once uh, but, it it la- but it lasted a half minutes. hour yeah that's that's <laughs> exactly right um, that's a great joke all right there's so, at some point when daniel tiger sings a oh, song about like self-confidence or whatever and, and i oh just God. like I'm, I'm done for the rest of the movie sorry yeah, guys like, and it I'm never lets getting, up and i'm just getting dehydrated from here either yeah oh god you okay i'm sorry i have one more armageddon thought we, we did spend an hour on armageddon after uh-huh. we're like i know. We can't spend an hour on armageddon i know i have one more thought do you know who wrote the screenplay did you see who wrote the screenplay J J abram <laughs> yes, JJ fucking Abrams. I learned that this morning. Um, that explains I, a lot. Yep. It does explain a lot, and it's probably the best thing he's ever written. So, okay, well, we're gonna fight about that. Believe it or not, coming up in a little bit. Um, <laughs> you won't no. see it coming. Don't, don't even try to guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I saw that. I had no idea. I like because this is ninety. When that came like, up in the in the opening this credits, is like I was like, the same holy year- shit. 
Was this the same year Felicity started? This is like three years oh, before really? Alias started. Yeah, he did a lot of like script, like just sort of like anonymous screenplay work in Hollywood By the before way, he started. Best thing JJ wrote that was an overreacting joke. <laughs> it's like that was rude to I Alias, just, I, and I, you need I, to leave. I need, I need to just make sure that was sarcasm. I'm trying to guess how we're gonna fight about JJ later. Oh no, I, I just I have a JJ Abrams. I just have a JJ Abrams joke. I'm gonna make later. It's oh, fine. don't worry about it. I have one more. One okay. more. I told you I had a weird Armageddon baseball tangent story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Before he was famous, he was in a very famous baseball incident in which the White Sox had a promotional event where they blew up a bunch of disco records on their oh, field. Do you guys yeah. know about this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, know about, I don't know about Michael Clark Duncan's involvement. I just know about And then about the field got sacks. raided. Yeah. And he was one, I think it said one of the first ten people on the field. His, I mean, who was going to take him down? His yeah. $100, <laughs> like, silver butt buckle was stolen. He slid into third, broke into the dugout, and stole a baseball bat, and then left. All right. I now All stand Clark Duncan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, who was going to stop him if he decided he wanted to do that? No one's going to be able to... Someone stole his belt, though. That's very funny. Yeah, that 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 disco demolition night's a, a whole thing unto itself. It's All racist. Right. I have literally no idea how to transition <laughs> from That's here. That's the best transition we're going to get. All right. Two on, wrap up time. on that note, now we are going to move on. Dylan, you can put some sort of sound effect in there. And, He's got space dementia. Uh, we can <laughs> transition via sound effect. So now we are going to talk about the nine movies we discussed in season two of this podcast. In case anyone forgot what those are, very quickly, they were Battleship Potemkin, Beauty and the Beast, Belle de Jour, Bicycle Thieves, The Big Sleep, Blow Up, Body Heat, Bonnie and Clyde, Bride of Frankenstein. Those are all yes. Bs. He had tons of Bs. We just like went through the entire letter. We're not even fully done with them yet. Um, so, we're going through three, three letters, I think, on our next nine. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to go, yeah, B, 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 C, D uh, next time around. So I... Do we want to start talking fashion corner? What our fashion highlights I'm, were I'm, from yeah. these movies? Oh All no, right. I want to do Nick's list corner first. Does Nick have a list corner this time around? Of course, I have a list. Corner. Oh, look at <laughs> yes. that! All right, I had I had list corner after fashion corner, but I, let, let's move it up. Let's do list corner first. Okay. Um. So. I only have four. Four is a I lot. Think, <laughs> okay. I tried to cover. I tried to cover every movie. Uh. That we reviewed, and I did. Uh, so, <laughs> best best French yes. movie where best French movie where Belle has trouble with men and the man she's sexually attracted to, but not in love with dies. Uh, runner up is Belle de Jour, but of course the winner is Beauty and the Beast. Yes, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's that's correct. Correct rankings there. Mm. Uh, best movie where a method of transportation is used as a metaphor for class struggles. I'm going with number two, Battleship Potemkin, but number one is Bicycle Thieves. Good, good, yeah. Nick, Nick what the fuck? How did you even think of I was wondering if maybe you were going to get the, like, weird carriage in, from Belle de Jour in there. Oh, that's oh, so man. true. That's a, throw. I mean, I don't know if it's oh, about class struggles. One. It's about weird sexual repression, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's, like, psychosexual socio-struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Movie where every woman, for some reason, puts the moves on the protagonist uh, in the movies about a convoluted conspiracy. Number three is Body Heat. Number two is Blow Up. But number one is The Big Sleep. Ah, uh, sure. 
And yeah. it's got to be uh, mixed sleep there. Yeah. The last yeah. category is a man can't have sex and instead resorts to violence. Number two is Bonnie and Clyde, but number one is Bride of Frankenstein. Yep. I think that's yeah. correct. <laughs> like, <laughs> I knew str- that one had to be coming. We had some strong themes this season, I gotta say. Yeah. Really, uh, we really had a lot resonant. of sex themes. We, we did. This was a very horny sex group heavy, of movies. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, like, especially. And we had Armageddon to finish it off. I mean, yeah, sure did. Um, oh. Yeah, really. Did Nick- well, sorry, go. Did someone do the uh, length of episode to length of movie? No. Uh, no. I, 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 I was, Yeah, I also forgot. So <laughs> Maybe I'll just edit that in. Sure. Go, go ahead and drop drop a note in uh, yeah, here and tell us that. which movies were wildly. I mean, it's got to be. Well, Battleship none of the, was so short. None of these. Yeah, I was going to say none of these movies were that long. So I'm sure yeah. any any of our episodes that I mean, went over two this hours whole, were. So out of these nine movies, Battleship Potemkin and Bicycle Thieves are really only like the only sort of sexless movies of yeah. the bunch. And they are like, very sexless. I was going to say, and they are very, yeah. It's not just like <laughs> normal. Yeah, no. no, no, they are. They are aggressively unsexy. And then, although but Bicycle Thieves, they do like run through that uh, prostitution, like whatever for a scene right that's true yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's that's barely that's a sexless um, prostitution scene it, it really is um but yeah the rest of the movies are uh quite quite horny all right so <laughs> God, what was well, our horniest are. what was the horniest movie in uh the first bunch eight and a half eight and a half is a horny movie eight and a half oh, eight and oh and half definitely so eight and a half for the for the fantasy sequence alone with the whip like once you have yeah. that in your movie i'm not sure um 2001 was the most aggressively sexless movie in the first bunch yeah. was 2001 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for um, sure without even what looking. was the uh prostitute's name in eight and a half saragina 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 <laughs> yes yeah that too uh what a movie that was i should rewatch eight and a half i think i might like it more than uh, if I went back because you just watched now. all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, actually, um, that would. Uh, you might just rewatch and be like, "Why rewatch this when I when I could just jazz. go watch all that jazz again?" <laughs> that's true. Um, all right, so fashion corner time. Um, what do you want to shout out, Dylan? Fashion wise, I think we should go in order. Who has Battleship Potemkin? Um, I have Battleship Potemkin. Oh. Yeah, let's let's go. I in mean. This order. Sure. So Battleship Potemkin, um, I mean, there's a lot of looks, really, in that movie. <laughs> I don't know if, like, the broken glasses can be considered. Like, yes! <laughs> that I might love be it. my fashion corner, is, like, the symbolic broken glasses. I also just, like, the entire uh, Russian naval uniform look, I think, is a strong uh, visual in mm-hmm. the movie. But, yeah, bro- broken glasses in, in Battleship Potemkin was my big fashion takeaway. Gotcha. My, mine for Beauty and the Beast is um, the Beast's cape getup that has like oh. a neck, the neck with yeah. the frills, and it looks like um, the the poison dinosaur from Jurassic Park. It does. <laughs> All, it, it, really, it really does. Yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. The looks are strong in uh, Beauty and the Beast for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. So then I did. I did Belle de Jour, right? Belle de Jour is my yeah. movie. For yeah. some reason. We, we, we jumped around. I can't remember why. Oh, because you did The Five Bloods in between there. Um, oh, that's right. That's, that's, right. that's why our order is all weird. So Belle de Jour, I mean, all of her coats. I talked about it in yeah. the episode mm-hmm. itself. She just has the best coats in that movie. 
Um, like, there's a red one that's really good. There's, like, the trench coat she wears when she goes to the brothel. They're all excellent. All of her coats mm-hmm. are that, – that's my fashion highlight for the whole season. Yeah. That was my, yeah. my favorite. All right. Next is Bicycle Thieves. <laughs> What's the fashion highlight from Bicycle Thieves? Which is the most fashionless. <laughs> God. I, as we talked about, a sexless movie. Oh, this is no, a very fashionless I think movie. I, I think I know what it, I think I have a suggestion, but go ahead. Okay, I want to hear your suggestion. I, I like, speaking of coats, I like the little coat the sun wears. Oh, the Bruno? <laughs> the, the Bruno's little, Bruno has a little jacket. The, I almost picked Bruno's jacket, but yeah. I went with. Bruno's scarf. I actually like the scarf he has more. <laughs> He's got a little scarf too. Yeah. I almost also picked. There's like a, a hat, like a little mm-hmm. uh, brimmed cap. Not the fedora that the, uh, um. Dad. Yeah. I don't well, the hat. The, the hat's names. pretty. Uh, the hat's pretty yeah, like cute. memorable. Yeah. I went with Bruno's scarf. It's a, it's a bunch of. It's cute, for the fashion. It's fine. Yep. Uh, big sleep. I'm gonna go with another accessory. Uh, I'm gonna go with the glasses that the bookstore girl wears Good. That, yes. that that make her uh, not attractive apparently until yes. he takes them off and then suddenly her, her she's all that glasses. You rock your glasses. Yeah, the, yeah, the she's all that glasses. Yeah, so that is my pick for the big sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what came after Big Sleep? Blow up? Is that me? That sounds like yep. it's probably me. Um, yeah. Got a lot blo- to choose from here. Again. I was gonna say. I mean, all the looks of the models really in that one scene that I think maybe mm-hmm. only I liked, where it's like they're all standing in the line. Oh uh-huh. no, it's the peacock outfit. It's obviously of all oh, the looks uh, of all the models yep. wear. It's the peacock outfit that the one yep. model's wearing in that sequence. Um, oh, maybe that's like my that, best oh. look. I like yeah. that sequence too. I like okay. That sequence okay. Too. <laughs> Sad, sad uh, head shake from Dylan. All it, right. It might, it might not be my scene, but at least I had Armageddon. So there you he go. wins have you lose. All right. Um, <laughs> Nick's face right there was just so exasperated. All right. Body heat. Body heat. Okay. I really need to ask, what can define fashion then? Can I define it as something you wear? I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say Kathleen Turner's body. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I mean, it's the only answer. It's the, o- it's the only answer. It's really Kathleen Turner. She shouldn't be wearing it. Yeah, she shouldn't be wearing it. <laughs> she shouldn't be wearing that she body. She shouldn't be wearing that body. No, I, 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 do... I actually, I had to. I hope, others, that, people, I hope William... that people know that that's a quote from the movie. Yeah, like, for some oh, yeah, that's that's this and didn't listen to Body Heat, there's a really gross line in the movie where William Hurt tells her that like her body is too sexy to be worn. It's not good. Yes, I, hope um, that nobody, I hope that nobody, like... Heard that and went, oh, Dylan, and immediately. I promise I'm not being a hypocrite after the whole Liv Tyler discussion, but like, (laughs) (laughs) given given the the lines of the movie, the first thing that came to mind when I even thought about anything in the fashion corner, I was like, I could pick Kathleen Turner's body. But I also picked William Hurt's fedora because, whoa. Yeah. That's a a choice. That was was almost my take for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I also said, Something I picked from Kathleen Turner was her white gown, which is just... Oh, the white, yeah. That's the... It flows so well. It she looks amazing looks in really that. It's really good. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Agreed. Um, and then, man, Nick from Bonnie and Clyde. That, that's another just movie full of good looks. Yeah. Um, I, I had trouble picking out, like, a very specific... Um, Come on, Nick. There's one answer. One of, you swear to God. One of Bonnie's... <laughs> Outfits. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to go with C. W. Moss's tattoo. Actually, 
Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> His terrible, terrible good. tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to go with something a little bit more like off the beaten path for this. And it's Bunny's hair curl that she has oh. in the beginning of the movie mm. that good he luck. like that he wipes away. I guess it's in a similar vein to like the bookstore girl's glasses. I guess I yeah. like this type of thing. Apparently, <laughs> I like I like the face. dude like trying to change uh, women's facial like uh, 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 accessories or, or modify or her look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I kind of liked it before. Like it's just like she has her hair kind of normal, and then like one curl down the side of her face before mm-hmm. Clyde rushes it I need to shout out the beret she wears just because yeah it's the best hat so it's a good beret well because it was either it it was either go with that or like just all of Bonnie's outfits are incredible yeah that's true yeah agreed and then finally Bride of Frankenstein Dylan what you got okay I have two because I don't know if one counts as a fashion corner but uh, I picked electronic neck bolts oh sure yeah Yeah. I mean it's Honestly, probably one of the most. I mean, like, it's one of the most iconic, iconic pieces yeah. of fashion, yeah, if it counts. Absolutely. I also yeah. picked uh, Doctor Pretorius's kippa. When he comes into the movie, he has like a sort of kippa hat. He does. On. He does. I I really don't know how else to describe because it, it's not exactly a kippa. Doctor Pretorius's whole look is just. Strong. I, there was so it's much I could. Pick. I almost picked his goggles, yeah. or his like a uh, white. Um, Lab coat. Lab coat, sure. Um, yeah, but I, I think I if I'm going to actually with go with the... I don't know. I thought hair, the maybe. Hair, the hair stripe. The Bride of Frankenstein's hair. I see. I didn't know hair. we could ca- count You can hair count hair. As, um, Hair's fashion. It's fashion. I just, I yeah. just picked hair for <laughs> I know. Bonnie. Then, if, then I'm going to also throw in the bride's hair, because that's a great hair. You didn't pick, you or didn't Carlos pick hair. minis. You, uh, you can't see my hand. You didn't pick minis little uh, oh. <laughs> hat look. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, th- I think in the end, it's got to be the electronic neck bolts of it. Yeah, that's so That's the most classic. Like, my God. It's <sighs> so good. That is, yeah, it is quite um, quite a look. Yeah, there's a lot of fashion this time around. Um, yeah, for great sure. fashion corner. Yeah. All right, so I'm just going to give you one quick, well, I guess two quick trivia questions. Um, this is going to be. I'm ready for Nick to this, this is, Well, this is going to be very easy, and it's actually going to be totally unfair because really what I was doing was coming through the sight and sound list, and Nick knows all that stuff anyway. Um, but quick, very quick, easy answer. We covered nine films um, this past season. Eight of those nine got at least one sight and sound vote in the last poll. Which movie got zero? I'm guessing Body Heat. It is body heat. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one put body heat on their site. I, I was really list. scared it would be Bride of Frankenstein, though. Bang that it would be what? Bride of Frankenstein, just because these are a lot of self-service. Bride of Frankenstein. People. Bride of Frankenstein did get the least votes. It got three oh, critics, three critics, and no directors' votes for Bride of Frankenstein. That's disappointing. Which is the the least. The Can, do you know who which critics did? No names I recognized. Okay. Yeah. Well, I the, just wanted to know if I could follow in Letterboxd. <laughs> the, um, uh, the next least was Bonnie and Clyde, which had really? votes from two critics and three directors. Um, the oh, the Guy Lodge was one of the critics who had it on his side and sound list. We talked about that. Yeah, and then yeah, the director, yeah. PJ Hogan, um, had it on his list as well. But oh, yeah, only five votes altogether. Um what would you best know PJ Hogan from? I, I think of PJ Hogan from the like 2003 um, Peter Pan movie that nobody besides Ooh. me saw or kind of liked. 
that has um, That's Jason Isaacs in it. Oh, um, Muriel's wedding. Oh yeah, he's Aust- he's Australian. My um, best friend's wedding. Oh yeah, there there you go. My best friend's wedding. Best friend's slightly wedding. more. Oh, God, this guy's like the king of wedding movies. There you go. Um, and he was a big fan of Bonnie and Clyde, apparently. Sure. Um, yeah, and do then they get, do they have a wedding in that? Mo- they don't have a wedding in that movie. They do not. Damn. Um, the next fewest votes was Beauty and the Beast, which where's got, Blow Up? Um, Blow Up is ranked. Blow Up, I'm, uh, I'm guessing, is like yeah, I've, top 100. Blow Up yeah. is director number 59 and overall 144, with Charles Burnett voting for it, oh. which I think we might have talked about at the time. Um, okay. yeah. yeah, that's a weird. It doesn't seem like yeah, a, it's not a like a super Charles sort of like naturalistic. Yeah, I, I say I this know. like I've seen right. more than one of his movies, but <laughs> um, yeah. But Beauty and the Beast had four critics and two directors, one of whom famously Guillermo del Toro. Um, yeah, and then Big Sleep, eight critics and two directors, no names That's I recognized. Yeah, Belle de Jour, seven critics and four directors, and then the only three movies that are actually on the list are. Uh, blow up, like I said, fifty nine for directors, one forty four overall. Bicycle thieves, which is number. That's in the Bicycle top. Bicycle thieves yeah. is number thirty three, but directors number ten. Okay. Wait, what's the remaining movie? Potemkin, number eleven oh, over. Potemkin. Number Potemkin's 11 like number twelve. Seventy five for directors. Right. So. And that one was a fo- like it a had former. Been number one. Yeah. Maybe top. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it might have been number one the mm. first time they made it. So, yeah, it was interesting digging through that site and, like, actually going to look and see who voted for mm-hmm. everything. And we, we went deep on Potemkin and all the people. By the way, two of the critics who voted for Battleship Potemkin are named John Oliver and Matthew Sweet. And I'm assuming it is not the comic or the musician, <laughs> John Oliver. All right. Do we want to go through our our regular awards or do you want to do paper plate awards first? Do you have a oh, we have to do biggest take corner. Or we can do biggest take corner, which I am going to be kind of improvising because I forgot we were going to do that and didn't write anything down. But I got thoughts. It'll be fine. Or just like was strongest, strongest choice. Yeah, strongest choice. Like, strongest choice. And I think with when when you say the choice, you should say good choice or bad choice, and then the choice. Yeah. Um, God, I have to go first because I have to talk Potemkin. Um, we can go in reverse of- order on this one. <laughs> You want to go back you, down? I, I'm 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 very. Top you're ready heavy for Frank. Well, I mean, I mean, well, I was gonna say you have Frank and Bride of Frankenstein, which has maybe the biggest choice that's made in uh, any of these movies. <laughs> uh huh. Like I said, good take. Yeah. The homunculi, All right. and then like dot dot dot. Come on. Yeah. But yeah. I have a second one because that one was too obvious. So my actual thought out good take is the Elsa Lancaster double billing. Oh, sure, sure. Having her be yep. the um, yeah. Mary Shelley and the bride. They picked a good play- person that could play both, like, oh, it's the meek writer that's scared of her in writing, and then, like, the actual monster of horror mm-hmm. at the end of it. She's, it's just a great choice. I loved mm-hmm. it. Great choice. Great take. Yeah. All right. Bonnie and Clyde, what was your... My choice is just the... Uh degree of violence in the final shootout choice god (laughs) now is it is it's a choice is it a good or bad choice okay it's a good choice it's a good choice i mean i i I think it was like monumentally uh influential Mm -hmm. and i think it's really well done it holds up you know 50 years later or whatever it is so i think that's a good choice all mine are good Good. choices because i have mostly bad 
All right. Well, I was gonna say I think we know what your one is for body heat, but why don't you tell us? Okay, so I have a long sentence for this one. Forced entry and property damage to have sex with a stranger who's actually an identity-stealing murderous felon. That's yeah. my bad take for body heat. Yeah. Yeah, the, the throw in the chair through the window for yep. the sake of making a dramatic entrance. Yep. The door the was door right there. It's, I mean, and it's one thing to say, like, what a wild choice by the character, but, like, also, what a wild choice in the movie to be like, this is what yeah. the character should do. Yeah. I, that really feels like a like a, a back-of-the-book store romance novel, like, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like, in, like yeah, super soap opera-y. Like, that's something. And I, I love a soap opera, but, like, there's a time and a place for that kind of stuff. <laughs> and not an Ebert's great movies. No, I, I would agree. Um, <laughs> all right, so I also have a uh, bat, well take for blow up that I, I don't think was maybe the best, which is um, the choice to have an extended sequence where the two teenage girls <laughs> come and wrestle in his apartment in order to have a threesome with our protagonist. No. Yeah, Good in call. a scene. Yeah, and, you know, the, there's an argument about the merits of it to show how, like, even something like this can't uh, disrupt his ennui or what have you, but, like, wow, it just... Uh, Pretty, pretty egregious. Pretty, pretty egregious, that one. So, There's a funny letterbox list um, called something along the lines of movies in which Michael Fassbender has a threesome, but it's like a sad threesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it includes song to song and shame. Yeah. And I guess of the threesomes, this, not that we see this one, but it seems the, the least... Yeah, it's sad. not sad. It's just kind of like what, yeah. whatever, Pitiful. which is a which is a weird take. Like it, to, to be whatever is a, is a weird take for that situation. So yeah. yeah. All right, big big sleep. What you got, Nick? Uh, my choice for this is how horny the sister Carmen is. Oh my god, love it, <laughs> love her. <laughs> Good she's take. Just, it it's so funny, and she's the horniest person ever put to she, celluloid. She really is. <laughs> Every time she shows up on screen, it's uh, new, new depths. She's out of control. And the only reason she wasn't a bigger star is because Lauren Bacall's agent or whoever complained a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, that's I, true. Yeah. Maybe that's my, the, yeah, the bad part of that choice is just how, how much less we see of Carmen than right. we probably because ought to they, have. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love all the time we get to spend with Lauren Bacall as well. But yeah, sure. she's, it makes Carmen real underrated. All right, Bicycle Thieves. Dylan. Uh, I have a bad take for Bicycle Thieves, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this was maybe one of the things in retrospect that I think was an a, a, like a real negative on the movie, which was the Bruno death bait and switch. Ah, sure. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't much to... Again, Bicycle Thieves is such like a polished stone of a movie. There's nothing that really stood out. So it was mm-hmm. kind of hard to find a take for me, but just... It was unnecessary and really didn't matter in the end, and I think they could have resolved it a little bit cleaner. Mm-hmm. That's as, that's the most take I have in that movie. So fair enough. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward movie. Yeah. It's kind of it's, just, it's it's near realist. Not not a lot of big choices being made intentionally. No. So in in the making of that movie, um, as opposed to Belle de Jour, where I barely even know where to start <laughs> with. <laughs> <laughs> the choices that are made in that this movie. This is like like one of those cartoon things where like the the letter unravels and hits the floor and then like goes out the door. And... Right. Um. I, I was kind of going back and forth between 
basically really either the and they're they're kind of one and the same but the opening scene and the closing scene like the mm. choice to sort of the mix of fantasy and reality and how clear or not clear it is whether you're looking at mm -hmm. fantasy or reality um, and that the movie is sort of bookended by that because that's what really stuck out to me watching them not knowing anything about it watching the opening of that movie and going oh this movie's even weirder than I thought and then oh wait no none of none of this is happening <laughs> this is all a fantasy it's all in her head um, but yeah so I think more so with the the final scene in Belle de Jour, the choice to have that allegedly ambiguous ending where it's so sad but maybe he's fine but he's not really fine um was a was a choice so, all right beauty and the beast nick uh my choice is when she comes upon the beast and he's drinking water out of the pond like a dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just love like they didn't have to do that it doesn't really move the plot forward <laughs> But it makes the beast look like an animal, and I am very much uh, it's, it's moved fun. by that. It's fun. Yeah, I, I truly enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but Jumpkin's another hard one because, you know, yeah. they're, they're, yeah. I, I mean, the, the whole both the whole thing and nothing is a choice. So I'm going to go with maggots. Yeah. I feel like the, okay. real, <laughs> the real focus on and inclusion of maggots is such a uh, prominent feature of, of that movie a lot of close-ups of maggots was it. a choice that they made which i definitely did not need no. um but you know it's, it's it's what sticks out in my memory i mean a lot of things visually in that movie but but the maggots are up there um yeah we're having well, a maggot problem at my house and i just keep thinking about battleship potemkin right now god i want to well i I want to make a reference to something that I'm not going to reference because it would be a spoiler um, for something that nobody besides me has seen. But I've had a, had a rough weekend with maggots uh, in in the films. In a yeah. Charlie Kaufman movie. Maybe maybe there were some maggots. Maybe it was pretty gross. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Look, something <laughs> something to look forward to if you sit down with a recently released film and want to get some good. some maggot content. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to sell Dylan on seeing this movie, and I'm like, look forward. To I will. I will watch it. I promise. It's just maggots. I'm gonna um, need a lot of motivation. Yeah. Well, what you gonna do? All right. So let's let's go next. Let's end with the paper plate awards because that's fun. So let's just run through our regular okay. awards first. So I'm going to go in that order. Paper plate awards are, are, are more fun. So let's just do our awards. I put a good. lot more thought into the paper plate awards. I did too. So. too. Yeah, this was, <laughs> I was thinking back. So just for people who may actually be listening to this, we're going to run through sort of the major awards categories uh, based on the movies we watched this past season. So supporting actor and actress, lead actor and actress, screenplay director and picture. Um, yeah, when we did this last time, I had like really strong feelings about my choices, <laughs> mm -hmm. and my feelings this time are less strong. Um, but let's go, let's start with supporting actress and work our way from there. Um, I had a hard time choosing between um, a couple of actresses in The Big Sleep, and I actually picked Martha Vickers as my supporting actress choice. Um, I think given what she has to do, she is uh, super good. And she was, mm. was my choice. I was Dorothy Malone was a close uh, close second, but that's that's a bit more of a cameo, and I couldn't quite sell myself on it. So, uh, yeah, I went with Martha so, Vickers as Carmen in The Big Sleep. For every category in this uh, awards, um, I picked four. Oh, goodness. So every category. <laughs> I, I, picked that, like that one, I picked like two. <laughs> Every category had like a, a top half. 
And I, I, I try to only pick one thing per movie, and I pick Dorothy Malone from Big Sleep. But okay, if Martha Vickers ends up being it, uh, that that's fine. You'd be fine uh, with my, that too. My other three were uh, Genevieve Page from Belle de Jour. Good call. Which Nick, Nick. I should. <laughs> I think actually. I no. think that actually <laughs> probably is. The, yeah, I I could be persuaded pretty easily to go that way too. I have three written down, and that was it. And okay. it was uh, the, those the two women that we've mentioned from The Big Sleep and Genevieve, Genevieve Page. Page. From yeah, I, I I also had Vanessa and Redgrave and Blow Up mainly because of how she listens to jazz music. I just find it fascinating. Like I, I how she takes off her top I and then like stands next to a window just, topless. Yeah, <laughs> movie's weird. Um, but she was my last place. But actually, my first place nomination: Elsa Lancaster, Bride of Frankenstein. I'm going yeah. all in on Elsa Lancaster, honestly. I mean, it's fair. I mean, I think we have to. I think we have to recognize, honestly. Recognize uh, greatness here, people. Yeah, yeah. No, I Let's think. I it. mean, it's so small. It's such a small role that I feel like, you know, it it, it is. Um, and as we kind of talked about, like, how different would a movie be? Like, how how much utility did this supporting performance give that wouldn't have been there mm-hmm. otherwise? And for me, sure. like Elsa Lancaster coming in and doing uh, Mary Shelley, and then the iconic bride, yeah, having this sort of double billing, and also was the most important to me. But Genevieve Page was a very close. Yeah, second. Genevieve Page was actually like now looking back, it was maybe my favorite performance. <laughs> like Big, in the whole Big thing, Sleep, she's like, so every, good. Every woman in Big Sleep was very good, but mm-hmm. no one like really was like the Stood big utility for that movie for me. Yeah, so. If, if it goes to someone in Big Sleep too, like that's that's totally fine. Yeah, um, I mean I don't know. Did you want to did you want to pick one as a consensus choice before we move on? Um, Nick, who did you have first on your list? Um, I didn't have them ranked, ranked actually. I don't. I just kind of wrote down the ones that I think you stood had the best of. overlap of Jenna and my list. So I think whoever you would have first should be it. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Um, all right. Well. Um, Let's go Genevieve Page. Yeah. I think she's I think she's yes. great and um She's so good. She has some so good, good looks too. I could have picked some of her looks. She's yeah. uh yeah. She's a great haircut. Great haircut. And then yeah. we can blame like both of the Yeah, vote women. splitting from the big vote sleep. Oh, it's always yeah. vote splitting. It's it's vote splitting for the big sleep. It's, all, ladies, it's always but, a bummer. Yeah. All right. Best supporting actor. Let's start with you this time, Dylan. All right. So again, I have four. Um my fourth choice. Oh, I'm gonna go first to fourth because I like my fourth choice most. Um, <laughs> my my number one was Enzo Staiola from Bicycle Thieves, which is Bruno. Is that Bruno? Uh, yeah, yeah. I have Bruno. four, and he's he's one of mine. Number two is Gene Hackman from Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number three is Ernest Thysker, Thesiger, from Bride of Frankenstein, who is Doctor Pretorius. Oh, sure. And number four. Number four, Ted Danson, Body Heat. Yes! <laughs> Let's wreck! I had, I had Gene Hackman wreck and Ted Danson as my top Recognize two. game, honestly. Yeah. Like, of all the supporting character moments, Ted Danson Danson is the best. It's the best. He Even over up. everything as Pretorius does. I love it. So, yeah. yeah, I had Gene Hackman and Ted Danson were my two mm. that I made note of. Although, I mean, I, now I feel bad that I overlooked my beloved Bruno because he's a, yeah, <laughs> it's a real achievement I, I in supporting actor there also. Perf- but Performance-wise, I think Enzo was the best. But 
performance wise, Ted Danson was my favorite. Yeah, but and I, I think I, I mean, we, we, we all laugh, but you know, we, we have our fun. But I do think Gene Hackman was extremely good, also. Oh, yeah, incredible. Funny, but yeah. So mine, I had, um, I also had Enzo Bruno from from Bicycle Thieves. Um, Gene Hackman, of course. I would have had Ted Danson just like completely slip my mind. Yeah. I like didn't really put that much thought into Body Heat other than Kathleen Turner. <laughs> I mean, and then I was like, fair. all right, well, I was like, all right, I got Kathleen Turner. I've, yeah. I've I've done my due diligence with regards to Body Heat. But yeah, Ted Danson's really good in that. Um, I also threw on um, Alicia Cook Jr., who's just kind of the Weasley guy who drinks the poison in um, the Big Sleep. Oh, what? The guy, the guy who shows up with thirty minutes left in the movie, gives some plot advice, and then dies. He's really good at he's just real being squirrely. Kind of like, he's real at this, squirrely. It being like a squirrely, feckless yeah. loser who just like is forced to kill himself and and fights back uh, zero. Percent. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's um, very yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I put on Michelle Piccoli from uh, Belle de Jour. Oh, I like oh him sure, yeah. he's the um, the the boyfriend. He, no, he's the guy. Who um, ends oh. up telling the husband? Right, 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 right. The uh, the sort of creeper guy. The yeah. Oh, and part I, thought, of, I thought you were referring to the gangster dude. Yeah, that's what I first I did too. But no, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's the other guy. It's the best part friend of it, who sort of sends her there, but then is yeah, mad she's there. Yeah. yeah, he's good. And I, I may also be like giving him a little bit of credit for also being in Young Girls of Rochefort, which I watched like sort of around the same time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought he was quite good in it. But yeah, I think for me, the strongest three would be um, Hackman, um, Enzo, and, and Ted Danson Danson. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we so pretty much have the thing. same, we have pretty much yeah, the same I know, three. I know. This one's two. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to give it to Ted Danson. Yes. I'm, I'm fine with, I'm fine with giving yes. it to Ted Danson. <laughs> So special yeah. special runner up for 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 Bruno and and Gene Hackman, but yeah, give, give oh, it the ten dancing. Very good, but yeah, when you go up against ten dancing, you just have to know you're in a you're in a tough crowd. Yeah. All right, Nick, why don't you start us off for best actress? Okay, I uh, I have three written down. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Kathleen Turner mm-hmm. in uh, Body Heat. I have Bacall in Big Sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I think my favorite of these, sorry, Dylan, but it's uh, Catherine Deneuve and Belle de Jour. It's just towering performance. She's fantastic in that movie. I have I have the same three with Turner nice. third, uh, Bacall second, and Deneuve first for wow. me. Wow, the, sa- the same three in the same order. Yep. Interesting. Holy moly. I just realized, uh, okay, I didn't, so You're I didn't actually write down, my, I didn't actually write down Best Actress, but... So I just wrote it down. That was my point. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> so my fourth was Lauren McCall. My third was Kathleen Turner. We all have her my, in number three. I know, yeah. My second was Catherine, Den- Catherine Deneuve. Oh, no, what's was coming? incredible. Yeah. But number one is Faye Dunaway, Bonnie and Clyde. So oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, Faye would have been my fourth if I had put a fourth name down. Who, who, what, who did you think was coming, Jana? No, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, forgot him. Mm. I, I, like, I didn't even think. I was like, who, who else could he be saying? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I stand Faye in that movie, but I am 100% okay giving it to Catherine Deneuve. She's incredible. Even though I f- can hate that movie to the yeah. bottom of hell. It's yeah. not what She's she did. That you other, about it. other than yeah. the the actress. I I, I completely I completely support Belle de Jour getting both supporting actress and 
best actress because yeah, both agree. Good. Yeah. Are we gonna do best script? Um, I wrote. I wrote. A, I I made a person's name for screenplay. Yeah. I made okay, a person's sorry. name for screenplay. <laughs> That's not a sentence. I, I wrote down I'm a sorry. nomination for best script. Yes. I, I just, I just wanted to make sure because I I, 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 just, I was going to do actor, yeah, we, screenplay, director, picture. That's fine. Let's do it okay. that way. I just wanted to make sure. All right. Um, hold on. I left off a name on my uh, actor. So Dylan, you go first for actor. Okay. <clears throat> so number four, Humphrey Bogart, Big Sleep. Mm-hmm. Number three, uh, Jean-Marie from Belle, La Belle et la Bette, um, mm-hmm. who plays both the Beast and um, Gaston. I don't remember his name. Uh, it's Gaston. Ev- Avenant. 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 But it's Gaston. Uh, number two, um, I think I'd call him a lead. I have Boris Karloff in Bride of Frankenstein. I have him as lead. Thank you. I'm really. I was afraid I was going to be like the only person going Boris, but. No. And then number one, Lamberto Majorani and Bicycle Thieves. All right, um, Nick, you go. Okay, I have uh, almost the exact same. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice! Yes, I've Nick got, and I agree. I've got Jean Marais. Um, the the one that I have on here that you don't is um, David Hemmings from Blow Up. I think is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do too. Bogey. I have Bogey at number three, Boris Karloff at number two, but number one, and I said uh, before that there's really only one of these that I was going to push really hard for, but Lamberto Maggiorani uh, is Antonio Ricci and Bicycle Thieves is yeah. like, is without a doubt, my, my number one um, performance. Uh, uh, kind of same. This category, at least in this category. Like, he's just so, so good. I don't, And I don't think any of the other ones really came close to, like, mm-hmm. moving me the way his just the saddest face i've ever seen uh, the the saddest <laughs> face like which i don't know how much of an achievement in acting <laughs> acting right, it necessarily right, yeah, is yeah. if it's just like he was cast because he looks like that but no i mean it's effective in the performance so yeah it's sort of like a combination of of acting and just casting brilliantly yeah i had um i had david hemmings i had bogart um i had Maggiani or Antonio from Bicycle Thieves, and then I put Boris Karloff number one. He was my number one on my list, but I'm it was kinda, more. I kind of go back and forth on Karloff and Maggiani. Yeah, um, but, but no, I, I yeah, I I just wanted to shout out Karloff, all caps Karloff as a uh, a real uh, yeah. fantastic performer. Exactly, just just Karloff. Karloff. Um, but no, I think it's it's hard to deny. I mean, Bicycle Thieves does not work is not a movie if uh that performance isn't that captivating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so fair enough all right screenplay um what'd you got did you write something down dylan i I always write something down all right what do you have for screen what do you have for screenplay i had number four bonnie and clyde number three the big sleep number two la belle la bette and number one, and this is the one I will fight for, is Bicycle Thieves. Bicycle Thieves is easily the best screenplay of the mm-hmm. of the night. Um, what about you, Nick? I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could think of a better screenplay than Bicycle Thieves. So. Yeah, I I only wrote two down, and it's mm-hmm. sort of a tie. Like I'm, I go back and forth um, because they're such different screenplays. But uh, Bicycle Thieves, and then. Um, the the screenplay to the big sleep is just it's so funny there's so much yeah. ridiculousness to it the dialogue just like 
it pops. And it was written by William Faulkner and right. Lee Brackett and uh, <laughs> yeah. Jules Firthman. Like, it's uh, it, it's tough to argue. But, uh, I mean, Bicycle Thieves, we'll talk about Bicycle Thieves more later, I'm sure. But, yeah. um, I don't know. I It's, don't make me choose. <laughs> yeah, I, I had um, Big Sleep as number one. Bicycle Thieves is number two. And then I just wanted to shout out the Bride of Frankenstein screenplay, which we've talked a lot about how the structure of that movie is yeah, what makes yeah. it so good. And like that's in the yep. screenplay. Like that's the choice to open with that, you know, Mary Shelley storytelling device. Also, the Bride of Frankenstein screenplay was co written by a man named William Hurlbut, which is a funny name. And I wanted to <laughs> point that out also. <laughs> We so do like shout, people with butts in their names. Shout out to William Hurlbut. But I no, I do think that, that that part of what's so good about Bride of Frankenstein is the the screenplay also. But yeah, for me it's the simplicity of Bicycle Thieves against the complexity of Big Sleep is like yeah, it's it's hard to choose, but I, I wouldn't fight over having bicycle thieves over Big Sleep. I think that's uh maybe this or director is the big fight I'm gonna have. So I I'm I'm gonna really push for bicycle thieves. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the. Uh, I'm not gonna put up a fight yeah. against yeah. bicycle thieves. And, and, I mean, my God. And la- la- last season we had all about the Eve and yeah. very sort of similar screenplay. Yeah, I mean, old yeah. Hollywood talky talky. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of screenplay that I gravitate to personally, which is you know mm-hmm. again a recurring theme here. But um, <laughs> all right, yeah, uh, best director, go ahead, Dylan. Uh, for Arthur Penn, for Bonnie and Clyde. Three, Jean Cocteau for La Belle et la Bette. Um, two, Sergei Eisenstein for Battleship Potemkin. And so you're specifically pointing out the screenplay is what held Bride of Frankenstein together. Mm. I'm calling James Whale. Sure. The way he was able to deliver the stupidest stuff with his straight face and pull it off like the stupid homoculi. Mm-hmm. Um, James Whale is, was really hands down the best director for me in the nine movies. Um, so yeah, that was my... my my four. Sure. I had, I, again, I didn't really rank them uh, necessarily, but the three, na- the three names I wrote down were Eisenstein for Potemkin, Howard Hawks for Big Sleep, and James Whale for Bride of Frankenstein also, because agreed that a lot of that is the look and the choices that he was making there. Mm-hmm. All right. I only wrote down three, um, and I don't have whale on here actually i have uh, eisenstein oh no i'm gonna lose this shit <laughs> i have eisenstein in number three i have uh cocteau in number two for beauty and the beast and then for number one i have vittorio de sica yeah for bicycle thieves yeah because i think sim like similarly it's very much uh like everything in this movie is his choices and i think if other people would have done it yeah. it would have looked and come out much differently um mm-hmm. yeah but no, it's a good call if I had to pick a four, I, I, I'm not going to fight the two of you guys. If you have a consensus among you on James Whale, I'm not going to be like, oh, that Bride of Frankenstein was pretty <laughs> was badly crap. directed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm so I'm I really liked how James Whale directed Uma O'Connor. <laughs> I mean, really, that's, that's what it all boils down to was his direction of that performance. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nick quit <laughs> the podcast leaving. again. <laughs> Keeps quitting the podcast. Oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, James Whale then for. Uh, I think so. I think that's okay. where we're gonna land. And then, all right. I mean, best picture. I don't know. I didn't like 
I didn't rank. Did you guys all rank? I said I did. You rank? I ranked them? all nine. Oh, I ranked you all nine. Guys, Which we did last time. We ranked all nine. Did we rank all nine? Okay, well, just yeah. vamp for like thirty seconds while I yeah. rank all nine. Nick, you mine is, yeah, mine are very. Um, like I feel pretty good about where I have my top two and everything else. Like I've changed this multiple times, and even looking back at it now, I'm like, oh, it should Ugh, I, I might even change it? Jesus, yeah, I can't change it right now. I just kind of <laughs> have to leave it at this point. Um, my number nine. I liked Body Heat, but it's, I think, the weakest of the bunch. Um, my number eight is Battleship Potemkin, which is still, like, a really good and entertaining movie. Um, but it's just a little, you know, it's it's a little bit opaque. Uh, number seven is Bonnie and Clyde. Number six is Blow Up. Number five is Bride of Frankenstein. Number four is Belle du Jour. Number three is The Big Sleep. Number two is Beauty and the Beast, but number one for me is Bicycle Thieves, or as we call it, Bike Thieves. <laughs> the Bike Thieves. <laughs> the Bike Thieves. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, you guys, I'm going to have to count and make sure I one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, I actually did have nine, so um, I will go, <laughs> Dylan. You can go last. Um, these okay. are quite improvised, and so I probably would reorder them. Other than <laughs> one and nine would probably order them entirely differently <laughs> than mm-hmm. on any other day. Um, nine, I also had Body Heat, which I enjoyed, but being ninth out of this group is, like, not an insult. Eight, yeah. I also had Potemkin, very impressive movie. Can't imagine I'm going to ever sit down and, you know, just throw it on on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> to relive that experience. Um, seven, I had Blow Up. Six, Beauty and the Beast. Five, Belle de Jour. Four, Bonnie and Clyde. Three, Bicycle Thieves. Two, Bride of Frankenstein. One, The Big Sleep. Okay. <sighs> So, every single (laughs) movie, this is interesting, because 9 through 3 for me are so set in stone. Like, I don't even have to question it. And the top two for me are almost impossible to pick. So, 9, Belle I have a guess as to what those two are, but I'll... (laughs) Yeah, I have a wild guess also. (laughs) I don't think it's that wild, honestly. (laughs) Eight is Body Heat. Seven is Blow Up. Six is Potemkin. Five is Big Sleep. Four is Bonnie and Clyde. Three is La Belle Labette. I just, I don't know. Bride of Frankenstein or Bicycle Thieves. They're like. Flip, every, flip a coin. So, I had recently, and you guys know this, ranked the my 500 best movies. That was my big Wild project. thing to do. These. these movies i think were 10 spaces away from each other which is just wildly close in the scheme you know 500 yeah um i had bicycle thieves ranked higher than bride right now my gut says bride of frankenstein is my number one and bicycle thieves is my two so that's fair it's interesting um nick so nick has bicycle thieves one right yeah and i have bicycle thieves two and i have it three and then I have Frankenstein one. Jenna, you have Frankenstein two. And Nick, have you have Frankenstein five. Ugh. Okay, then it's gonna be Bicycle Thieves because Nick's ruining the party. <laughs> <laughs> Con- controversial choice, Bicycle Thieves. Con- People- oh no, the Bicycle Thieves. Uh, right, Jenna, where did you have La Belle? We're totally, we're totally uh, 
fitting in, in keeping with the 1952. Uh, right, sense. exactly. I had La Belle Labette six, but I actually probably oh, okay. might, uh, I, I might swap it at four with Bonnie and Clyde. It just depends on the day. That's that's still not close enough. Yeah, no, it was it was yeah, it yeah, was not in my bike, top three. Bike thieves. Yeah, the bike win. thieves. Sounds good. Congratulations. All right. Well, let's wrap up our discussion. Of I'm sure Victoria DeSica was just waiting for. The I'm news. sure he's thrilled to uh, have this honor. <laughs> let's let's wrap up our discussion of these movies by giving our special award, our special recognition for each film. What we really want to celebrate it for could be good, could be bad. Uh, just something that stands out. Um, I will say my my first, I'm going to start with Battleship Potemkin, and my first one is not terribly funny. I'm, it's more sincere. Um, but my special award for Battleship Potemkin is just most influential scene award goes to the Odessa Steps. Like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not much more to say other than you put that scene in your movie. It, uh, I think we spent more time in that episode talking about the influences of that scene, maybe than the scene itself. Um, so yeah, yeah that's that is the special achievement in Battleship Potemkin is, is most most influential scene award for the Odessa Steps. Uh, not particularly clever, but you know, sincere. My first paper plate award for Beauty and the Beast is going to be Best Practical Effect, and it is the candles lighting yes. by See having my, candles my hand grabbing the <laughs> yeah <laughs> grabbing the thing. By maybe having it, the candles. Maybe it registered on the uh, on your uh, probably Audacity sorry. Set. <laughs> um, having the candles blown out and then playing it in reverse. Uh, it's yeah. just my favorite practical effect, probably of all time. I can't think of one that I like better. I just, if the movie was just that, I would still have given it four out of four stars. What's the it. other thing that plays in reverse in that movie when they're like he's like dropping something out of his hand, or it's like a. Oh, are you thinking where, when he drops, some or, or the, one of the sisters drops like the pearls? Yeah, and then it after like comes, they turn in. Yeah, and then it like comes back up, and it looks like they're yeah, and it's a reverse shot. A lot, lot, lot of good practical sort of running film in reverse yeah, shots in yeah. that one. I love them. Yeah, super good. All right, is it back to me for for Belle de Jour? Belle de Jour. Yep. Okay, so my my preamble for my paper plate award for Belle de Jour is you know I'm a big JJ you know I'm a big JJ Abrams fan. <laughs> That's gonna be my what? lead in to this. I, I mean, can't wait to see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I like a lot of yeah JJ Abrams projects, not all of them, to be abundantly clear. But JJ Abrams. Um, has is sort of most famous in popular culture for um, his obsession with what he calls a mystery box, which is where you, um, you know, there's a, there's a box and what's inside it, and that's what matters, and that's the mystery of his project. So for Belle de Jour, I give the best J.J. Abrams Memorial Mystery Box Award to that weird box the one dude brings to the the, <laughs> the Mortello. <laughs> <laughs> that we the um the Asian businessman gentleman who comes with his mystery box and we don't get to see its contents and that is the best mystery box award for Belle yes. Shore. Thank you. The Asian the Asian guy with oh the vibrating. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That that was an incredible preamble. That was a journey. Honestly. I know. I wanted to take you on that journey with me. <laughs> We, we all we all had a, we all had a journey here today, and that's it's what the, matters. It's the best mystery. That's box. what makes this the best pod ever. <laughs> it's the best it's mystery true. box uh, for that 
probably problematic sequence in which the uh, Asian guy brings a mystery <laughs> box to the prostitutes. <sighs> I have fun. All right. Yep. It was uh, bicycle thieves. It's 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 my turn. Bike thieves. Bike thieves. Uh, so I meant to bring this up on the podcast, but I'm going to bring this up here. Um, we all had our discussion about um, whether the title is Thief or Thieves and mm-hmm. what it was originally in Italian. So I went to probably my best and dearest friend, who is also Italian, and I explicitly asked her, like... We're not Italian. <laughs> do you mean... Do you mean yeah, music? yeah. What are, you, what are you trying to tell us here? <laughs> in my real life. <laughs> well, uh, real not, life? Not in my... Not in, not in my Zoom podcast. This, this life. is fake life. Okay, continue. Yeah, because you guys are too cool for this. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't know that that's. Yeah, true. I was just I say, mean, I'm not speaking I'm not for not you, Jenna, sure. but it's a, it's a very sweet sentiment. But uh, all right, tell, anyway, us, tell us about Italian. So I so I asked so I asked her like the, I gave her the, the 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 title and I was like, is this a plural thief or thieves? Mm-hmm. And she said, actually, oh god, secret third <laughs> option. It's a secret third option. Both thieves and bicycles are plural. Okay. Bicycles thieves? It's the bicycles thieves. It's the bikes thieves. The bikes Wait, so this thieves. movie's this movie's been called Bikes Thieves the whole time? <laughs> yes. It so by and I trust her. She is Sure. Damn Italian. I, she I trust speaks Italian, Italian in her speakers, household. yes. And uh so I'm gonna give best title plurality to the bike thieves. <laughs> The, the, bicycles, thieves. the bicycles thieves. The oh, bicycles yeah. thieves. And, and it's thematically you go with the, the, it's big, so, the big sleeps, it, though. <laughs> the big sleeps. <laughs> the body's heats. Hey, it could have been the brides of Frankenstein's, which might have been an even better movie. So, the blows ups. <laughs> the blows ups. <laughs> the bells uh. does de jours. <coughs> we're gonna. It's such a great joke now, but. Yeah, I, and you're right. It does make so thematic relevance that it is the bicycles thieves. Uh, it's just English isn't complex enough to be able to hold the complexity of bike thieves in its uh, vocabulary. So beautiful, beautifully in Italian, they t- they are able to pluralize both things, and it it really works in the story. So that's my pick. Best title plurality. All right, big sleep. Uh, I'm gonna go with best murder, and it is whoever yes. killed. Whoever killed Owen Taylor, because not only did they get away with it, they got away with it in the way that I don't think anyone has ever gotten away with it before, such that uh, the screenwriter and the writer of <laughs> the, the original work don't quite know who yeah. did it. Yeah. And by the end, all the characters don't even care that it yeah. happened. No no one cares anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, his poor, his poor, like, just think of his mother. Like, <laughs> her, her only child it, it was really... murdered, drowned drowned in a lake mm-hmm. or the like beaten about the head yeah it, it really is the perfect murder that yeah not even the the person who crafted it knows who did it uh yeah. i like nick's no. argument is just think about the mother think about the mother yeah. no one even seems to care that this man has been murdered by the end no. that the poor mom like she's just going to be going to the police station every day just like did you find out what happened to my boy and they're like who no <laughs> no not even raymond chandler knows yeah Go exactly home. No, that's that's extremely good. Um, definitely, definitely the best murder. Um, and we have a few murders to choose from here too, so that's saying something. Yeah, there were a lot. There's there's a lot more murders than I would have expected. Um, it's definitely better than the terribly executed murder in um, 
whatchamacallit, blow up. That is that is not the best murder. <laughs> no, no. That is, a, that is a bad one. All right. So, uh, or sorry, in Body Heat. All right. Big Sleep, blow up. For blow up, I have I have a tie. Um, I couldn't quite pick one. Um, my my well, my I have, a, I have a worst and a best. So my first paper plate award was for um, the worst concert goers, uh, because those are <laughs> terrible concert goers who do not oh, no. deserve to be in that club. Uh, but I my, know what best is then. <laughs> no 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 you don't. My you're, this is gonna surprise you. Um, I have best. Tennis scene is my oh. actual award, and it beats out. It's number one. The runner-up is the tennis scene in Belle de Jour. That one's just fine. This one is better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another tennis scene. Um, yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to say best concert. No, I, I wasn't concert I wasn't going to antagonize you. Um, no, worst concert goers, but best tennis scene, because those mimes really, they, they really pull it off. They, they really convince me that they are playing tennis. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have to hit any line women over it. They so. definitely didn't want to. <laughs> a reference to something nobody's heard. Uh, <laughs> they play tennis safely, the right way. Yeah. All right. What's what do we got for body heat? I try to not pick this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm scared. I just I don't know how I can't go with best best bath setup. Like <laughs> best bath setup. I mean. It would, th- when I thought of like all the stuff I was going to have to think of for this silly finale podcast, I was like, oh, the Body Heat Paper Plate Award is going to be best bath setup. Like, it's such an obvious pick. I don't, I don't know what else to do. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. And let me tell you, I am, I am checking to see exactly how hot it is outside right now. Okay. It, it's 100. <laughs> We're hovering at 100 degrees uh, here in my neck of the woods, and that bath setup is sounding Better than ever is my take on that. Maybe she knew what she was doing. So now that we're at this point in the awards, Mickey Rourke officially shut out. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe we should have we should have given some special attention to Mickey Rourke and his. Uh, <sighs> could he have cracked our our supporting actor? Our. Uh, I don't best, know. I don't. Best, I don't best, think so. It could, been, it could have been best breakthrough performance if we had a best breakthrough performance category. Yeah. You know, we, but we can throw him an honorable. Elsa Lancaster would have won that shit. Yeah. No, since since we're going with, since you mentioned best breakthrough performance, that'll just tie in nicely oh. to my Bonnie and Clyde award, which I'm going to rename oh. my best breakthrough performance, which is Gene Wilder. Yeah, that is yep. the actual that's best true. breakthrough performance. That's that's a great call. Step on it, it just break. He brings such great Gene Wilder energy. The He's best. got the napkin, the Ugh. face he makes when he finds out that she's actually in her 30s. Oh, my God. Just it's just like oh. silent face is so good. Oh, he's so great in this movie. So, yes, yeah. that, that would be my breakthrough. There you go. It's the right call. Can't argue with that. It is. And ra- oh. rounding yeah. him out. Right of Frankenstein. Yeah. So this is probably my most serious one. I'm going to say Bride of Frankenstein is the best sequel ever. Mm. That is my argument. Um, That's a hot take, my friend. That's... (laughs) Nick and I are both. And I I, I don't think there's... Coming from someone who just watched Godfather 2, like, a week ago. I was going to say... Okay. I can't, it's definitely in the conversation. I think yeah. it's objectively wrong because of Godfather Part 2. Yeah, yeah. So this is the thing, is stuff like... There's... I think three different types of sequels, and one of them is only the only legitimate sequel I'm considering here. One type of sequel is like um, Paddington Two, 
We're padding to two. It's absolutely nothing to do with the first one. It's just a it's next like adventure. A, it's, it's a completely standalone movie. It's just, it's another movie starring the character we've had before. The second type of sequel is, it's just like, it's not even that, it, the plot is just continuing. It's the, There's no, like, second part. It's just like, mm-hmm. Aparajito. And Upper Sansar for Apu Trilogy is another thing. Where it's just it's one long story, but they don't have enough celluloid, so they have to release it in multiple parts. Godfather Two is exactly like that because the Godfather yeah. book is parts one and parts two, mm-hmm. and that's how it's supposed to be made. They they made them almost at the same time. They overlap like they they, they so that's I don't think Godfather Two is a worse movie than Pride of Frankenstein. That is not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is specifically the sequel that follows up the story. But it's not a continuation of the previous story. And when I take those things into consideration, Bride of Frankenstein is the best sequel ever. That's my argument. That's my favorite played argument. It's better than Empire Strikes Back. It's better than... Um, I don't know. What else would what about be? Dawn of the Dead? Dawn of the Dead. That feels a bit like Paddington 2 sort of territory where it's just a completely separate standalone movie, though. What about Aliens? Aliens. It's better than Aliens. So that's it's that's another. Aliens. Yeah, I was just trying yeah. to think. I'm like, what are other famous? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like famous sequels. Famous sequels. Aliens, the dollar um, sign. And also, I think a, a, a thing <laughs> of. Sorry, I just made an Dark, Aliens joke. Dark Knight. <laughs> Dark Knight. It's a, a blank. Uh, yeah, I mean a blank. Dark Knight is another good example. Yeah, Dark Knight is. Yeah, I guess Dark Knight is just like another chapter, right? Like it's just yeah, it, it's it's a continuation of the past story, but it doesn't also, completely stand alone. I mean, it, it, that's another weird thing too, where the first movie is like an origin story. You know, it's like in some ways the Dark mm-hmm. Knight is like the the first sort of true Batman story because the first one is an origin story. So yeah, yeah, there's all kinds um, of caveats you can throw in here. And I think an important thing of the sequel is it surpasses a great sequel is it surpasses the original. Mm-hmm. In which case, I think Bride also maybe jumps the gun on the original at already such a good level. Mm-hmm. So, that's my argument. Bride of Frankenstein is the best pure mm-hmm. sequel. Not the best second movie or third movie in the series, but best sequel. <laughs> God, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not the second part in an ongoing story, but a sequel film. Yes, exactly. All right. I think I'll allow anyway. it. Cool. All right. So that is our wrap up for season two. Before we wrap up for today, um, I thought we should do a quick preview of season three. Talk a little bit about what's coming up in the next list. It's a doozy. Um, Fucking monster of a season. And talk a little bit about which ones we've seen or not. What are we most excited to talk about? And what are we least excited to talk about? I know both. (laughs) I know both also. Quick rundown. Here are the films that are going to be in our season three. Uh, starting with Broken Blossoms, Casablanca, Chinatown, Citizen Kane, City Lights, Days of Heaven, The Decalogue, Detour, and Do the Right Thing. Um, that is a heck of a list. Um, oh my God. Warning, I don't know if anyone actually tried. I think some people try to watch along while we talk about these movies. The Decalogue is really a 10-part sort of mini-series of a movie. So we're going to be covering that over multiple episodes, um, yeah. I believe is yeah, the plan. Um, because, yeah, I think that would be... I, I haven't seen it. You guys have. So it's going to be new to me um, because I'm sure everyone is desperately curious to know which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't. The only ones from this list I've seen are Casablanca and Do the Right Thing. 
Um, so everything else, I've never seen Citizen Kane. I've never seen City Lights or Days of Heaven or Chinatown. So I'm, I'm seeing some big movies for the first time here. It's I very can't excited. believe you haven't seen Citizen Kane or I know. City Lights. I can't believe I, I can't believe I haven't seen Chinatown. Like it's. Yeah, mm. I I'm, I'm, that's that's the just, one besides more like, that it seems like. I don't know. Maybe everyone didn't go through the same like noir phase well, that I did. But I mean, that's the thing. I've seen like yeah. noir movie. I, I love noir movies and I love LA movies. And so the fact that mm-hmm. I haven't seen Chinatown is just kind of bizarre. <laughs> that's true. Um, but you know, the fact at a certain point, like I once I hadn't seen Citizen Kane, I was like, when do I watch it? Like at this, I, I made it this far without seeing <laughs> Citizen Kane. So I'm glad I finally have like a reason to see it with some context. Yeah, to force you to sit down. Yeah. Um, also, you just saw Do the Right Thing like I a did. Month ago. I just saw Do the Right Thing back so in June, a couple of months ago. Yeah, it, that's also going to be a pretty fresh watch. First yeah. watch, also. I'm excited to rewatch it so, though. Again, yeah. I, I that's I mean, one that I bought on Criterion and was very excited to own. Oh, and I can't wait. The Criterion disc is so good. It's really good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I'm super excited for Days of Heaven too. I have not ever seen a Terrence Malick movie, so going on a journey. Yeah, yeah. Badlands. I'm, yeah, I might watch Badlands first. That's that's on my notes to consider watching Badlands first. But um, yeah, I don't think I can go wrong either way. So can, I, can we count Badlands as a spooky movie? Ooh, is it? Mm, I mean, is it like a serial killer no. movie? No, it's not. It's not really. I mean, serious. it, it yes literally no. is. <laughs> it's yeah. literally about. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like. But but it's not like a serial killer. Like I'm, right, I'm, 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 I'm it's, air quoting. It's here. not like. I mean, I guess it's not like. Well, it's not like Halloween or something. No. It's like literally. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Fair um, enough. It is pretty intense, though. Okay. So cool. I'm realizing that I don't know what Days of Heaven is about because I thought that's what Days of Heaven was about, but that's obviously what Badlands is about. So it's not super far off. Okay. No. <laughs> the variations on the theme. I think Nick can argue. At, I have already argued over this about like how much thematic overlap is consistent between Days of Heaven and Badlands, and I would at least say from my there memory, are they're kind of close. I would say there are themes that overlap, but. Um, I don't know. We'll talk. We'll talk about it when we we'll talk, talk about, about it. <laughs> yeah. In a month and a half. Yes, we will get there. Um, I am checking right now because our first episode back in season three is going to be Broken Blossoms. Broken Blossoms. Um, Which is, I think, the one we all don't want to talk about. Right? It's a tw- it's a nineteen nineteen film. It's over a hundred years old. That's kind of neat. That's kind of um, cool. It's a it's a yeah, it's very a, cool. It's a D.W. Griffith film. Um, it is available to, it's on Amazon Prime, so... Is it based on a story of any kind? It is based on a (laughs) novel. I believe it's based on a novel. I'm trying to trick you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely in no way are you going to get me to say out loud the name of the story that it is based on. Um, It is a rough one. I will take care of that as uh, (laughs) the resident uh, half-Asian. Yeah. What, wait, what is the st- title of the story? Oh. It is it is called The Chink and the Child. Yeah. Alternatively what? referred to as The Yellow Man and the Girl, which is... Oh, uh, my God, that's not even better. Not really any slightly better. better. It's slightly better. Yeah. It is slightly better, but... Yeah. Yeah. Feel the need to point well, out again? A, like I said, half Asian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> letting, letting Nick own that one. Um, yeah. It's... Um, and, and it of course, in case anyone had any doubts... 
starring a a white man, a white um, person, yeah, no, of a, course, a white dude playing this <laughs> character. His name is Richard Barthelmus. Yes, which is the whitest name, and he's playing a character named Cheng Huan. So uh, we're in for a good time uh, with that one. Yep. I, I do th- I do see a lot of really positive litter box reviews. I mean, in it's, front it's, of a, it, it's a it's one of the great like I mean I don't think Ebert's alone I mean, in thinking it's a Sean great Gilman, film. Sean Gilman, who is like one of the resident Asian movie five Experts, stars, yeah, mm-hmm. five stars okay. out of five. Um, Armin White yeah. gave it five out of five. You guys, our favorite mark of quality in 1996, Broken Blossoms was included in the annual selection of 25 motion pictures to be added to the National Film Registry for the Library oh, of Congress. Nice. So it is. It's in there. Maybe, maybe we'll all be surprised. I'm I, cautiously I, I would, optimistic. Yeah. Because I've the, never the, the, seen. Sorry. I've never seen a Griffith. I don't think I have either. I don't know what I so, would have seen. You haven't seen a Griffith? A Did you not go to a film class ever? No, I didn't. No, I didn't either. Oh. I didn't go to didn't oh. take film classes in school. <laughs> so I'm looking oh. forward to um, seeing... I mean, I know about him, but I've never like felt compelled to see Birth of a Nation. Yeah. I've um, seen like and, scenes from Birth of a Nation in history yeah. classes, but I took it's a lot of... So like tw- Yeah, I took like a lot of like 20th century like through popular culture classes. So I've seen like clips of... Um, yeah, I, th- I think but. listening to Spike Lee on this one is the right idea where he says oh, you need yeah. to go see uh, Birth of a Nation to know how fucked up America Sure, is. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's just, I'll get to it eventually. I think we get to it next book. Yeah, we'll I don't, do it. I don't feel compelled to watch it before then because then I'll be watching it twice. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, um, and it really it really doesn't need to be watched more than once. You yeah, get the gist. I'm, I'm more curious to see Intolerance of his movies. Right. Um, Same. That's then, an interesting movie. It's pretty good. And this one's pretty short too. It's an hour and a half long. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm like cautiously optimistic. I know he's like supposed supposed to be a great craftsman, which is something that I appreciate. Like it's yeah. something I'm into. Um, so I'm looking uh, forward to that. I've seen all the other ones. That's the only one I haven't seen and. I think all of I the have, other ones are, at worst, very, very good. I haven't seen Detour. That, that one's something, maybe my least favorite of the ones I've seen, and it's very, I mean, very good. You, you mentioned everyone goes through their film noir phase. Like, that was my <laughs> very you. first movie phase. No, uh, that was oh, my yeah. very first movie phase. Um, for some reason, Detour never came up, and after that phase, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't need Detour, any more film noirs. Detour is one of those movies that, like, I feel like I've seen, but kind of because I just watched. So, well, I watched so many of these old noir movies, like growing up yeah. with my dad and stuff. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't know. See, I've maybe seen this. Seems familiar, but it also could be mm-hmm. any number of other noir movies I've seen. But I, th- this was the chunk where I just went during the last uh, Criterion and just bought like during the last sale and just i got detour i got days of heaven i got the decalogue i got do the right thing i just went in on this set for some reason Mm -hmm. Um, this is great oh i am sorry wikipedia tells me that the film detour do you guys know what the running time of this movie is it's like 70 minutes 68 it's barely feature length i'm so excited (laughs) it's gonna be such a quick watch i do like some long movies but 68 minutes like that's an that's an achievement (sighs) On on my letterbox, five stars, five stars, five stars, half a star. So maybe it'll be a bit divisive. Oh, we'll see. Who gave fine. it a half star? Uh, I think it's Julie Norwood. Mm. I don't know who that 
is. Yeah. Do I? Do it's, I have it's her? naughty, aka Julie Norwood. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, yeah, I haven't seen Detour. I'm not excited about the Chinatown discussion, even though that's a good movie. Um, Why? Just because of Polanski? Just because of Polanski of it all? Polanski, and it's also... Well, the topics of it are they have some rough. I, I mean, I know what Chinatown's about. I haven't seen it. I obviously yeah, know what Chinatown's about. It not, has some rough content. It, it has some very rough content, and the fact that it comes from Polanski makes yeah. it even that's, rougher. But that's it's still Faye Dunaway very, also, very right? Movie. Yeah, we're coming back to Faye oh, Dunaway. She's so good in okay. it too. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, no, I I love just how Chinatown is one of the I, most just I can't wait to watch bleak. it. It's one of the bleakest films. Detour also pretty bleak. Pretty bleak, yeah. I mean, the, we've got some bleak stuff coming. The, I, I guess we have Casablanca to like yeah. and City Lights to to balance and do it the out right a bit. thing and do the right thing maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it depends on uh, yeah, what your takeaway is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when when Chinatown, when the the one thing anyone knows about Chinatown, like the one reference for it is about how like, well, life is terrible and there's nothing you can do about it, so you might as well give up. <laughs> like that's that's forget it, shake it's Chinatown. Like it's just yep. what you gonna do? Yeah. Everything's the worst. Yeah. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. We have that to look forward to. It's very much uh, a Nick movie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is, and it's not much of Dylan yeah. movie, but it's still a very yeah. good movie. Uh, yeah, you know what's I, a Dylan movie? City Lights. I cannot fucking wait for City Lights. Yeah, I'm excited to see I that. might just cry on the pod because that gets me very emotional. Yeah, I am I am excited for that one. Yeah, City Lights is incredible. Um, Days of Heaven is a movie that gets better every time I watch it. I can't wait to rewatch the Decalogue because that's a movie that blew me away when I watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I always rank like the last few years. I've ranked my like my favorite first watches of that year, and that was my number one from whatever year that was. Are you squ- yes. were you scare quoting movie Dylan? Was yeah. that what? Yeah, really, yeah, really, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're 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 we're. I mean, so when we set out on this project, we bounced from contention the up documentary films because that is what seven fourteen like, twenty one like that that we're talking at this point like twenty hours right like by the time mm-hmm. however many they've done, um, but we're we're letting them get away with this ten parter <laughs> here and yeah. uh, we'll take ten hours instead of like forty yeah yeah, um, but the one I'm most excited to cover I think is. Citizen Kane, because I think it will be very fun to talk about that with a first time. First time watcher, yeah. I agree. Watcher. If, it, if it is Jana's first time, it is, is my, it is my most first time. Excited, then that it is I've, my most excited. Otherwise it's, it, it's, otherwise, it's just being super hype on Casablanca. And, and I'm not kidding when I say... Me crying on City Lights or he, here's, just do the right thing. Here's what I know about Citizen Kane in terms of, like, the contents, not not the outside, and I know a lot about Orson Welles and stuff, but here's what I know about the movie Citizen Kane. Uh, Rosebud? And that gif of Orson Welles clapping. And that's it. That's all I've got. That's I, it? I, I've, oh, wow. I've not seen anything else from it. I don't know anything else. I mean, I know it's about William Hurst not, or not, whatever. What about the like, shot when he's like, he's like this, and there's the big poster? I've seen that, too. That's true. I have seen that shot also. It's, like, one of the I, greatest movie shots in history. Yeah, I have seen that also. I don't want to set expectations. I mean, I've heard high. that it's maybe the greatest film of all time. It's it's, it's on a lot of lists. <laughs> I heard it's on my list at 137. <laughs> that's oh, it's 137? <laughs> Insanely low. <laughs> uh, it's, okay, um, it's it's like the top two fifty though are all like right. basically perfect. So. so here's my problem. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a swerve here and say the one that I'm sort of most wary to talk about is actually Casablanca, because that's 
maybe my number one favorite movie of all time. It's it's top three for me. Um, and so I have a lot of feelings about it. And I also have nothing interesting to say about it. Like, what is there mm. to be like, hey, I, good no, movie. I think, I think we're going to have a lot to say. Are we going to fight? Do you not it? like Casablanca? Oh, no. What is that face? No, I love Casablanca. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, you can't, you can't do this many fake outs on me. It's no, I'm hot sorry. Where I am. Um, um, okay, I have a question though. Do you cry in the Marcy? Absolutely, I cry thinking about and the Marcy. How much do you cry? No, it's it's like it's more of like a gentle weeping. Um, oh. It's not like a. You're you're not like the that one woman that's like oh Marcy and she's so, all. <laughs> oh, she's so good though. I can I can just picture her. Um, no, yeah, me I mean it's just such a. It, it's just such a like a, a perfect movie. I don't know. Like I, I really it don't, is a perfect. Movie. I don't really have a lot to say other than like yeah, that part's good too. They're all good. Um, so I mean, it, no, it'll be fun. It's just kind of I'm I'm a little bit more excited to yeah dig into the ones that I I haven't seen. It'll be yeah be a real journey. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Season three, guys, gonna be good. Um, Fuck yeah! Before we wrap up, because we've been going for. Very long time, and I'm sure Nick has like a family to take care of. Do we want to do? <laughs> They're fine. Um, quick rundown of what we watched this week. Any recommendations? Oh, yeah, yeah. Any? Uh, we forgot to do it last time. Um, and I actually, yeah. For once, normally when the question is what did I watch this week, it's I don't know what movie are we talking about. Um, but <laughs> I actually watched a ton of movies this week. So um, nice. Yeah, I actually have stuff to say, and like new movies too. So that's good. Um, you want to start, Dylan? What you watched this week? I watched nothing this week, but yeah. I have we really a list to say um, from the past week that we missed. Sure. Because my brother and I binged a bunch of movies before he left. Oh, that's right. There Will Be Blood, Godfather, Godfather Part 2, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Chunking Express, Stalker, Linda, 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 Minding the Gap, Black Girl, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Millennium Actress, The Red Shoes, La Jetée, Meshes of the Afternoon, The House is Black, Johnny Guitar, and Little Shop of Horrors. That was our last week and a half of movies. Man, what a bunch of blah movies. I don't know if I've had a better movie week than that, because... All I heard like, was La Chate. <laughs> You The fucking Godfather Part 2 is in there, man. No, yeah, that's, that's... Part 1. That's a lot of... And, and were most of those, were your brothers seeing them for the first time? Or all of them? Uh, yes, all of them. That's Which, I, okay, if I'm going to say one thing... I'm going to say... I'm going to bring up two movies in particular. Fargo, which was... Yes. Um, <laughs> my Cohen brothers before was like a serious man is just the goat. And then there's like a lot of really, really good ones. Mm-hmm. Rewatching Fargo this time, it's like this is a masterpiece beyond all masterpieces. I cannot fucking wait to get to this movie in the book. This movie's insane. Uh, really good. And Millennium Actress, which uh, Nick severely underrates to a point of ridiculousness i gave it four it out of five perfect. stars i just think it's third of satoshi Kon's filmography it's like a eight out of five star movie just to be a little lenient also i just double checked fargo is the third best coen brothers movie um although giant the second giant best. well giant asterisk i have not seen a serious man that's my last coen brothers movie that i need to oh, watch oh my god seems like a bummer Wait, haven't watched the, it um what's, what, what, which two is above Fargo, then? What? Well, Inside, inside Lewin Davis <laughs> and No Country for Old Men? Absolutely. You got it. One and two in that order. No Country for Old Men is pretty good. <laughs> oh, also, I just <laughs> want to say... Uh, no Country for Old Men is pretty good. I, I, I do want to say uh, a, a pod-related thing. Um, so I rewatched The Red Shoes. I mentioned that. Um, 
I remember in our director pod, Nick specifically said, like, best scene of all time, and I agreed with him. I don't want to spoil the scene. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, so during the movie, the movie's so good that I kept on being like, it's the scene I was thinking of, right? And Nick was like, yeah. And so I was like, okay, because there's been, like, four scenes so far that are perfect. And yeah, no, it's still the scene I was thinking originally, but I think everyone who's seen Red Shoes knows what scene I'm talking about, because holy shit, but yeah. Uh, it's not really a spoiler, it's just like, there's a dance number that happens during yeah, the but, dance yeah. movie. And, I've, and I've heard about that. Um, it's, it's, I cannot, it's probably the best scene in movie history. All right. My brother and I were discussing that, and that's, that was my conclusion, so. Nice. Uh, Nick! All right. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, I'll go real quick through them. Uh, Until the End of the World, incredible looking movie, very long, kind of weird. Uh, Make Way for Tomorrow, Peter Bogdanovich on the bonus features says that Orson Welles saw it and said, oh, God, that's the saddest movie I've ever seen. Jesus. Um, He's right. Good, great Orson Welles impression, by the way. That was my, my, my Peter Bogdanovich <laughs> as Orson Welles. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> that actually works so well. Yeah. War of the Worlds, the 1950s version, pretty yes. fun. Yes, that is a uh, fun movie. The special yeah. effects in that movie are insane. <laughs> They're really good. I, I thought it was entertaining. Um, yeah. a, lesson, a Lesson in Love, the Bergman movie, that's all right. Uh, the next Bergman I'm getting to in the box set is Scenes from Marriage, which I'm pumped for. Um, Suspicion, uh, Hitchcock movie. Fuck. It's decent. Um, it's like kind of lower tier Hitchcock, but I still gave it three really? and a half stars. Which is what lower tier Hitchcock is for me. Um, the Peanut Butter Falcon that apparently my family and I, but especially me, are um, oh. the outliers on because I thought that movie was just awful. Um, By the way, I thought you meant Spellbound when you said Suspicion. Oh uh, no no no! Spellbound, yeah, no, Spellbound very is... good. Suspicion, no. It's it's fine. Um, in hit in Hitchcock curve. Right right right. Yeah, Spellbound is like top 10 ish like 10 to 12 for me suspicious exactly would be like exactly 18 to 20 for me yeah um yeah so peanut butter falcon hated it um <laughs> what we do what we do in the shadows rewatch hilarious muppet movie rewatch it's one of the best movies of all time it's true uh, best in show oh one of, the, so one of the most quotable movies of all time and then last night i watched bloody nose empty pockets uh which did you talk about this on the podcast? No, I didn't. I, I okay. watched it during our break. Yeah. So I have not. Okay. I don't, oh, no, maybe I did. Maybe I, I might have mentioned it. I can't remember. But I didn't See, want to talk it, too I much about it because I didn't want to I don't know anything about this movie. It's yeah. just one of those like observational documentaries where it's the last mm. night of a bar, um, the day before oh. the 2016 election. And, or it's and, like and, it's, and it's sometime oh. in late 2016. That, that doesn't, that's tangential. It's not like they're all yeah. sitting oh, yeah. there. It's not It's not about, there's like a shot on a TV it screen it gets, in 2016. Yeah, it gets but. mentioned once, yeah. I think, about okay. um, the election. But it's just about these people, the regular patrons of the bar, and what's going on in their lives, and a lot yeah. of their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gotcha. it's, the camera just sits and lets them kind of just hang do out. their thing yeah. for a night and it's, and it's wonderful and it's a weirdly beautiful movie considering like it's it's beautiful mm-hmm. to look at in a lot of parts um there's a like sort of very emotional sequence towards the end that i really like a lot and there's some really standout like 
characters, basically. Like, there's, yeah. especially there's sort of like one main guy that the story sort of follows. He just and sort of I, becomes the main guy. Right. You just sort of, you realize you're sort of watching his story and it's, um, it's fantastic. Um, the bartenders are great. It's, yeah, h- highly recommend. Don't read anything about it if you can before you see it. Um, it's sort of interesting to dig into if you want to read about how it was made after you watch it. Um, but yeah, hi- highly recommend. It's, it's near the top of my 2020 list and it kind of inches higher the more I <coughs> sit with it and think about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, Wait, yeah. Jenna, what did you watch? I watched a lot of stuff. Um, I watched just in the past week... Um, I watched new 2020 movies. I watched The Vast of Night, um, which I'm very high on, mm. a little super tiny sci-fi indie. Speaking of War of the Worlds, it, it takes place largely at a radio station, and it's W-O-T-W mm. is the call sign for the radio station in the movie. It's like oh, a little nice. War, War of the Worlds shout-out. Because at first, I was sitting there going, this is New Mexico. I think it would start with a K. I think radio station, you know, it's west of the Mississippi. Yep. Shouldn't it be K-something? <laughs> but then I was like, yep. oh, they're they're doing a bit. Oh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll allow a reference. Um, <laughs> But no, it has it has a very sort of it's it's very inspired by War of the Worlds. It's a lot of fun. Recommend the Vast of Night. I watched the new documentary Class Action Park, which is on HBO Max about Action Park in New Jersey. Um, it's it's very odd tonally. It's like really funny about how does how dangerous this place is, and then like people actually died, and it's not so funny anymore. Um, but it was interesting, and then. Uh, other new movie I watched was the yeah the new Kaufman. I'm thinking of ending things, um, which I highly recommend to everybody. It is a uh, real mind trip. It's a Charlie Kaufman me. movie. <sighs> I mean, you'll probably hate it, like, but I feel like you have to if you want to sort of. <laughs> it's, it's sitting there on Netflix. It's very interesting. I don't know. Do you like Charlie Kaufman movies at all, Dylan? Do you have any? Yeah. Okay. I do. So that's the other, so the other thing. Catching up on old movies, I did watch both Eternal Sunshine and Being John Malkovich. Matt hadn't seen either of them. Um, and so we watched both of those. Eternal is so good. Eternal Sunshine is even better like it's than I remember. Ridiculously good. Yeah, being John Malkovich is really goofy um, and kind of yeah. almost too strange. Even it's for very me. good too. And I like strange. Um, other movies. Uh, I will wrap it up here. As you guys know, I finally watched All That Jazz, which is like yes. a perfect film of. It is very much, and both of you had given me the heads up that it was like made for me. It really is. It, like it really was. I just can't wait. I already want to watch it again. It's so good. <laughs> like Roy Schneider. Oh my god. Um, I, I've had Bye Bye Loves like, and it, like it'll go away and then it'll like <laughs> pop into my head again. Um, but the whole opening montage, like the the. the Broadway and Vivaldi it and really, it's, uh, it's excellent. Um, really love that's it. in book two, right? I am. I don't know. Maybe it's definitely not in book so. one because we have flown past the A's. Yeah. Um, and then finally, in um, kicking off spooky movie season, uh, watch the to kick it off. yeah. Uh, well, first I, I eased in by watching the original Friday the Thirteenth by myself oh, on a Friday right. afternoon, which was fun. Um, I'm glad it's I've seen scary. it. No, no, not scary at all. The, the final sequence, it, it kind of ramps up that, the tension the one, at the end, and you're like, which, oh, God. as we as we talked about um, with the uh, Bravo scariest movie yeah. moments, the the ending was the, the scariest ending movie of moment. that, and like, yeah, it's yeah, it's a classic. Um, it was fun, and then yes, last night uh, on Dylan's recommendation, I watched the 1963 film The Haunting, directed by Robert Wise. Directed by Robert Wise, which is of wild. All Speaking of my favorite movies of all time, like West Side Story is probably in my top ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah. So like. I've never seen The Haunting. No shock there. Um, yeah, I know. Shocking. Um, but man, Russ Tamblin should have been in every movie of the 60s. He's yep. so good in that. Um, yep. Yeah, I highly recommend. It's a good haunted house 
horror, a lot of I, what I assume are practical effects. I think like they const- did the constructed There's the not sets. Not that many effects, even. Well, but like the, the everything like feels disorienting. I think I read something. Yeah. Like they constructed the sets or like the hallways to make you feel disoriented. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it it ramps up from sort of a slow burn. I don't know. The house is creepy, and then the final half of that movie is just pretty scary. It's one of my top four scariest movies because yeah. of the back. The, yeah. the side B of that movie. Yeah. Which, it starts from one scene that Jen and I talked about last night, which yeah. is, uh, it, it, yeah. that on was just, mm, yeah. no. So, yeah, it was good. Um, Nick, you should watch it. Yeah, The Haunting. I think, you, I think oh, you dig it. It's, sometime. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, so that was... It's fun. It, 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 it is fun. It, it didn't, like, scare, like, it didn't give me nightmares or anything. Like, I'll put it that way. It, oh my it, god, that movie messed me up. That's so funny. Yeah, no, I just, I was like, oh, well-executed <laughs> scary movie, but did not, uh, did, did oh. not freak me out that badly, I will say. So, yeah, good movies, guys. And then we're going to yeah. reconvene next week for, for Broken, Blossoms Broken Blossoms and jump right in with a, <laughs> a D.W. Griffith uh, film. All right. Good good finale, guys. That was a good one. Yeah. And I will see everyone or talk to everyone next time. Roger out. Roger, Roger out. out. All right. Good one. Oh, God. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. I'm going to do a quick uh, edit here because I have to tell Janice something very quickly, some um, uh-huh. pop culture information. Djokovic what? just went out of the tournament. <laughs> Sorry, You want to know why? Wait, no, why? COVID test? He, P- positive? No. He, he took a tennis ball in frustration and hit it at a lineswoman and injured her. Fuck that guy. I swear to God. Yep. What a yep. dick. So, sorry, I, I think I missed part sorry. of Sorry, no, uh, I thank you for the help. Thank I got, for... I got four texts and then two Facebook that messages poor in a row. Woman. I know. Jesus. Fuck Novak Djokovic. Honestly, for, fuck him. First like, the vaccine stuff, then the COVID stuff, then the we must pay men more than women. Th- yeah. Thing. And now this is this a uh, you guys talking tennis? Yeah, we're talking tennis. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking tennis. Um, and, he and this, actually, this is he like the best tennis the player. Throat. Yep. Yep. Like everyone I've seen. And Serena got defaulted out of a match for saying to a lines person, I'm going to shove this ball down your throat. He literally hit. He a, uh, yeah. <laughs> he uh, literally. Yeah. At least, at least they sucks. punished him for it. Like. At least they just took him right out. Yeah. Yeah. But like. Stupid guy. Like my dad this whole week has been such a complaining whiny baby because he's like, oh, Djokovic is just going to win this whole thing. There's no Federer. There's no doll. No one's going to knock him out. Well, he knocked I mean, himself out. I was, I was worried about. Bitch. I was worried about that myself. So, um, yeah, that is that is quite awesome. Deserved to see. Yeah, I mean, not awesome. God, anyway. I mean, lady seems to be okay, thankfully, even though she got hit in the yeah, throat with a tennis ball. I can't imagine getting hit in the throat with a ground stroke from Djokovic. From Djokovic, like, ugh, so stupid. All right, yes, no. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> you get to edit that out. <laughs> That's quite the. This will be one of those end tags where I'm gonna just be like, oh, like this <laughs> random thing, <laughs> this random tangent because I had a calling Djokovic a dick. Yeah, Djokovic. he sucks. Um, all right, so tell us about bicycle thieves. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyone watching Tour de France? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> He's got space dementia. <laughs>